Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9am on Cork's Red FM. Dudley wasn't so bad, but here comes Eunice, Ireland preparing to batten down the hatches. Storm Eunice sweeping in overnight tonight. They're talking about some gusts in some areas up to 130 kilometres an hour. Snow and flooding, although we should avoid flooding down around here, but you can never be too sure. Orange wind warning, so a blow, blow brolly. Is a headline making the star today and they're saying uh, warning that anything that could fly around in the house, well not in the house but around the house, needs to be secured a little later on today. Then of course we have the road, the headlines in the red tops are super today, there's another one on the road to Damascus. I just love that. Who comes up with these headlines? Rules on face masks could be ditched uh, by next week. I know next week's midterm, so um, if it comes in next week for primary and secondary schools, they get the benefit of it, I guess, the week after. But not everybody's happy with the removal of masks. I mean, there was a bit of a spike in numbers yesterday, up around 10,000 positive. So some people are saying that it's too soon. And retail and transport unions are saying just that, that the mask rule is being lifted too soon. And representatives, unions representing retail, public transport have said caution with regards to the removal of face masks just yet. Like, for instance, Dermot O'Leary at the NBRU for bus and rail workers says he's worried about his members without screen protection, with high, with high exposure to what still is a, a highly infectious Omicron variant. I haven't mentioned the Omicron word in a couple of weeks, but it's back again front and centre because of mask issues. Uh, like, for instance, the Echo this morning has a Cork principal, Ken Foley from Padre Pio National School in Churchfield, uh, saying that COVID is a constant uh, and he thinks now is not the time to be removing uh, control measures uh, because, um, you know, pro- there are still problems in, in schools. He says new cases of the virus are being reported in school communities on a daily basis. So that's the update there with regards to masks. Neffet will meet today. We should know later on today. Uh, and uh, I don't know whether they're going to decide to go for demasking or whether they're going to proceed with some amount of caution. We'll just have to wait and see. Oh, in English and the Examiner this morning talks about was, what was St. Stephen's Hospital. It's a 117-acre site, Sarsfields Court. It's been recommended now for a, a big new super hospital, a 100 million euro hospital for Munster on the site of the health campus there would have 10 surgical theatres could have up to 600 beds he says uh, on that site, so that's a story that makes the papers, lots of fraud of course Um, there was a very disturbing story of an elderly couple who lost 26 grand it's the McCarthy's um, they were actually living, uh, you know, believing they'd be living the dream of a holiday home in Kerry and uh, sent and paid fake invoices by mistake. They thought they were sending it to a builder's firm, uh, but it was intercepted by scammers. A couple of characters, a 22-year-old and a 21-year-old, pleaded guilty to handling the proceeds of crime. They were engaged in money muling, uh, by all accounts, and uh, the papers talk of that today. I'll come back to it a, a little later on this morning. Uh, but, of course, the other one then is the pension fraudster who got three and a half years jail yesterday. That's uh, Don O'Callaghan. Um, and uh, one of the reasons that the sentence wasn't longer was because of his gambling addiction apparently. He spent six hours a day in the bookies and frittered away an awful lot of the cash that he stole on his gambling addiction. So he got a four and a half year sentence yesterday with the final year suspended. So he's uh, got a three and a half year sentence, probably won't spend that three and a half years in jail, probably more likely to be maybe two, possibly two and a half. But uh, that was one that we dealt with in quite some detail. Of course, his mother and his father died years ago. Uh, Donald, his dad, died 34 years ago and his mam died 43 years ago. So both of those pensions were being claimed. In fact, uh, Don's dad, Donald, was even claiming his dead wife's pension before Don uh, decided to give it a go uh, and managed to, um, I suppose, defraud the state, all of us, over 
half a million euro and then some. It's very interesting. The judge noted, uh, and this is interesting, that there was a letter sent from the bookies uh, following um, Don O'Callaghan's uh, arrest on, on charges. Um, so the letter was sent after he was arrested and the letter said that they could no longer accept his bets because he had a gambling problem. So that's the deal on that one. And then, of course, uh, talk an awful lot about knives and hammers and hatchets. There's one of those stories makes the echo today. There's a fellow before the courts. Uh, two of them actually were armed with a hammer and a hatchet and they fought each other right in the middle of the Christmas shopping spree at the time in the middle of the afternoon. Uh, and one of them it was on Barrick Street, apparently. Uh, one of them was uh, before the courts yesterday. He got jail for his part in that afternoon fight. And I think everybody would be happy with jail for anyone with a hatchet or a hammer or a knife or any kind of a, uh, a weapon. Um, that there's no excuse for having them at all on your person. Uh, and then uh, I mentioned yesterday the amount of people who were refusing houses on Leaside. Uh, another own English story in the exam because he drilled into it a small little bit more. But apparently there were just under um, a thousand offers processed last year. Just under a thousand and 280 of them were refused. As in people who were offered houses by Cork City Council and 279 uh, refused. Um, so that's a, an incredible number when you think of it. Uh, and the reasons, well, the first and foremost reason was the area was deemed unsuitable. The second was the property was unsuitable. The third one was the property was too small. And the fourth one said that they bid on the property in error. But that was only like 2%. So the two top reasons, very much way out ahead, are that the um, area was unsuitable or the property was unsuitable. And they refused to take it uh, and wait out their turn. Um, house prices will continue to uh, increase. And at this stage now, generation rent um, would be paying higher rents now than Tiger levels, Celtic Tiger levels. But we, we kind of knew that. So not only are rents higher than they ever were before, ever, 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 but house prices uh, are right up there as well. So that's a CSO report that's out this morning. And in spite of what's happening in Ukraine, Michael O'Leary says that they will continue to fly to Ukraine as long as there's no war or no missiles flying there. The planes will fly. Um, and uh, from, you know, flying high to down low. Um, although I think he really did dodge a bullet, uh, Andy. Uh, his his mammy paid up the 2.4 million. She coughed up um, the money, the settlement uh, to uh, um, Virginia Gaffray and the papers deal with that again this morning. Still an awful lot more pressure on him. They're saying that he he could never have gone to court. You know, if you saw the interview you did with the BBC, you couldn't put this man on a stand. He would be absolutely catastrophic for his own case. And Rob Heffernan makes the papers today in the Echo. He has just been announced as uh, the new co-host for Red FM's breakfast team. And they're on air, I believe, I'm up to correction, Monday week, is it? The 28th. And he joins Kira and Laura. And there's a lovely article with a great big Red FM coloured photograph making the Echo today. So welcome aboard, Rob. I actually bumped into him yesterday here uh, at the radio stations. He's in top form. He really and truly is. He says there's going to be lots of cork crack and lots of cork humour. And that's what we want. Cork first and foremost. That's why I mention the four cork restaurants that retained their Michelin stars yesterday. We kind of have five because Ross Lewis is a cork man and he retained his two stars in Chapter 1 in Dublin. But congratulations to Bastion and Kinsale, Chestnut and Ballady Hob, Deed. I hope I'm pronouncing your restaurant right. I have a voucher actually that I got for Christmas for Deed. Uh, in Baltimore and I'm going to head down there in the back end of the spring or the summer and spend it and Ichigo Ichi in the city as well so all four of them five if you include Ross retaining their um 
Michelin stars. And also apparently there's research out now saying that the 80s was the happiest decade of all. I'll come back to that later on this morning. But they say one of the reasons why the 80s was the best decade of all was because there was no mobile phones, there was no computers, there was no social media, there was no television on demand. And we were happy out back in the 80s. Um, life now, they say, is way too hectic. Um, they talk about house prices in the 80s, the price of a pint in the 80s, the songs. Actually, 1983 is a particular year they honed in on. And with that in mind, we're going to play out this morning with your favourite, this is will be voted by you guys, your favourite 80s hit of all time. So you guys can choose it and text 0868104106 and I'll play out on that 80s hit just before midday. But they hone in particularly on 83 and the songs then would have been Billy Joel's Uptown Girl, Culture Club's Karma Chameleon and Michael Jackson's hit Thriller, Billy Jean and Beat It. So you know the drill. Pick your favourite song from the 80s and we'll play out on the most popular one. Text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco and the Good Grub Initiative. Helping to feed school children in need. Tesco. Every little help. Okay, let's just go back to the couple of storms. Dudley came and went, but Eunice is on the way. Cormac Cabrewers is at Cork Harbour Weather. Joins me by phone. Cormac, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Good I morning, think you, Cork. I think you're saying pretty much the same as what the star is saying. Dudley wasn't so bad, but here comes Eunice. What can we expect and when? Yeah, okay. So, look, Eunice is, is one of these short, sharp shock events, um, Neil. It, it'll start to build from tea time this evening. People will notice the, the wind will go around from the southwest quite quickly to the southeast. And as we go through the night, it'll just continue to build. Actually, for, for, for sort of coastal Cork... Um, we're going to experience the, the the worst of the southwesterly winds probably around three, four, five a.m. in the morning. Right. Is so that when they're is that when they're talking about the the hundred and ten, hundred and fifteen kilometers? Yeah, yeah. So, so I had a quick look. I mean, Roaches Point and um, Baltimore, West Cork. You know, it's going to hit the, the, the southwesterlies will be at their highest around that time. But the wind goes westerly very quickly after that. So, in actual fact, by the time the orange warning kicks in at five a.m., there's an orange weather warning for 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 land uh, um, areas of Cork from 5 to 11 tomorrow and um, the wind goes westerly very quickly um, but actually the strongest winds on, on the coast in Cork are going to be between about 3 and 5am in the morning um, but then yeah. it goes westerly and it'll just blow hard then through to about lunchtime okay. and is it quickly. that is it then from 3, 4, 5 in the morning that we're going to see all of this rain, sleet and snow on high ground Look, we're, we're not actually going to get a whole lot of rain um, on the Cork side, but most of the rain will come before the strongest winds. So actually, it'll be quite wet for, for two, three, four hours from sort of 11 p.m. through to about okay. 2, 3 a.m. Yeah. But actually, in fact, the rain stops for us pretty much. There'll be some drizzle and stuff after that. Most of the, 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 the snow and heavier rain will be well to the north of us Gotcha. Um, on the north side. Below. So the low basically is kind of passing north of Cork, if you will. And um, sort of, you know, South Limerick is kind of where it's going to track northeastwards. Um, and, and continue to deepen and it'll be a, a 972 so overnight then is the eye of the storm is it what's Friday like then yeah so so basically early overnight. Friday morning as I say 3, 4, 5am you know hopefully most people will be tucked up in their beds so it'll be over by the time they get up or at least the southwesterly element of it it'll be very windy from the west breakfast time tomorrow so anybody who's exposed to the west and you know it blows up the Lee Valley fairly hard there so the west side of Cork City that kind of thing can be can be quite exposed it'll be bad probably you know for a couple of hours um, 8, 9am 10am but it'll start to fall away quite quickly after that so it's it's quite a quick moving storm um, it, it, the nature of this thing is it's developing it's only developing now 
uh, and but it's moving quickly and it'll pass through very quickly so you know the whole thing will be you know the, the, the worst of it will be done by, by, by lunchtime tomorrow you know lunchtime tomorrow okay but I also see bright spells tomorrow weirdly enough in spite of everything else do you? yeah that, that's kind of the nature of something like this you know when the low passes when the centre of the low kind of passes more or less over the top of you and um, you know it can be it's, it's, it's often a beautiful day in the middle you know so you get clear skies it'll be very windy but I, I think you know Corkonians will know this well the kind of day you get where it's it's very windy but you've kind of got scudding occasional clouds but lots of blue sky you know the odd shower but that's kind of what it's going to be like to, across tomorrow now look it will be very windy um, what 760 70 kilometers kind of thing but yeah, yeah you can expect tomorrow. I mean they're, they're, they're forecasting you know sort of 80 kilometer sustained winds um Across and Friday, places like Baltimore, and then Friday, basically, yeah, seventy-five, eighty kilometer, you know, sustained. So, I mean, gusts will be will be higher, but as I say, it will fall away quite quickly okay. later in the morning. But okay. people will need to be careful, and you know, the commute in the morning, people will need to to, to be sensible. What, what's All that? Because of crosswinds. So, driving alert and a property alert, I suppose, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I mean, look, bins, trampolines, all the usual things, you know, and, and watch out. Obviously, there's always the risk of, you know, a flying slate or something like that. And crosswinds, possibly at Cork Airport, the westerly winds will be strong. So that might that might impact, you know, the, 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 we all know the main runway in Cork Airport runs north-south, more or less. So there might be might be a couple of issues there for a short time in the morning. But, yeah, you know, yeah. And that, 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 look, those guys will be all over that. So Mind you, you know, I, do st- I think it's going to be quite blustery Saturday and Sunday as well, isn't it? Yeah, well, it tends to blow through then, yeah, you'll get that because obviously Dudley, oh, sorry, beg your pardon, Eunice will still be there. It'll move into the IRC tomorrow um, and it, it continues to deepen. So, I mean, it'll be 972 millibars in the middle of the IRC by later tomorrow. And obviously we'll still be feeling the effects of it all the way through Saturday. But, you know, in terms of the worst of it, um, it, it, is, it is that period, you know, tomorrow morning through to about lunchtime. And then it'll be windy, but it'll be, you know, it'll be different to go. The winds go around to the northwest as they do. And, and, you know, we always get some protection in Cork when it's in the northwest because obviously it has to, to track across, you know, the rest of the country to get to us. So, Good stuff. And um, we do Good get stuff. some shelter, you okay. know. Okay, the worst of it overnight, but be prepared for a lot of winds tomorrow. And indeed, it'll start to back off quickly, but a windy old weekend as well, I'd say, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of the winter blowing itself out. Right. You know? The winter blowing itself out to make way for what? A great spring and summer, is it? Well, here, here, here's hoping, Neil. That's <laughs> definitely the plan in my head anyway. We'll see what happens. All right, know? my man, I'll hold you to that. Talk soon, Cormac. Thank you so much. Thanks, Neil. Mind you can get you. all of your weather, alert, weather alerts and updates from Cormac Gabruers at Cork Harbour Weather. Just Google it for yourself. Um, other business? Oh, yes, indeed. Our lines are open. And you can text 0868104106. We'll pick it up after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Yes, Red FM. And email neil at redfm.ie. Um, this is a couple of days old now, this email at this stage, but it's still relevant. Uh, last night into the early hours of the morning, I was driving home from work and had to come through Eglinton Street. I stopped at the lights as it was red. I noticed a young man walking towards the car. He's probably in his late 20s, well-dressed, wearing a black uh, coat and jeans light brown hair clean cut and respectable looking I think at first he mistook me for a taxi so as he came up to the window I waved him away I'm a 45 year old woman on my own in the car he shouted at me to ask if I was going to Carrigaline. I shook my head that I wasn't and I tried to wave him away he started screaming at me that I was going to drive him to Carrigaline and was standing up against the front of my car I beeped the horn to at him to no avail I put the window down slightly and asked him to move all the while he was shouting at me, insisting that I would drive him to Cargilline. I was eventually able to manoeuvre around him. 
He just refused to move from the front of my car. He scared the crap out of me, to be honest. This all took place at 10 minutes to 1 in the morning, and I was absolutely terrified. I drove directly to Anglesey Street Garda Station. When I got inside, a guard, the, I told the Garda on duty what had occurred, and she asked... Uh, she said she'd send a car around to look. Never took my name or asked if I was okay. Uh, I'm wondering if this is a regular occurrence or if this lad will wake up and think that he did anything wrong. I'm still quite shaken by this, even typing. I was locked in my car, but was still terrified at what he might do. I thought I was going to have to drive through him uh, to get away. Well, you kept your cool. I know you were panicked and I know you were very stressed about it and, and frightened, but you kept your cool, drove around him and got to a safe place. But if anything else had happened there, like, um, you know, if, for instance, he had managed to get into the car or if he had managed to get you out of the car and there was an assault or an attack, um, that shows the importance of CCTV and cameras. Now, some people have issues with that because of GDPR and data sharing and whatever, what have you. And I, I kind of understand that. But has the whole thing gone completely and utterly crazy? I was mentioning, you know, it's just a typical example of things, something that could be an awful lot worse. And God knows we have enough issues going on. I told you about the ATM attack and the assault down in Middleton. Uh, and then that prompted a text saying, you know, that the CCTV camera systems aren't switched on in Middleton. I believe that there's about, there's a, is something in the region about seven Cork towns uh, that have uh, either very limited or no CCTV cameras on their streets turned on because of, of GDPR and things like that. And a typical example of that is a story that will be shared by Councillor Danielle Toomey. Danielle, good morning. Are you in Middleton? I am, Neil. Good so, morning. Oh, good morning. So Middleton, let's use it as a typical example. What's going on? Well, in Middleton, we had um, money ring-fenced for our CCTV TV system with many years. And uh, pre-GDPR legislation, I think um, the motion, it was put in motion to have the CCTV system put in place. Um, when the GDPR legislation came into play, there was questions as to the legality around the CCTV systems, who would be the data controller, who would be the processor. Um, I suppose at that time, we were all very unfamiliar with the legislation. Um, now, I think a couple of years on, we still are, we, we've made some progress, but not enough to have our okay. CCTV turned okay. on. So how much was spent across the county then installing these systems in county towns? That figure, I don't have to hand, but I know it was a significant figure. Are we talking about hundreds and hundreds of thousands, like likely to be half I a million, or so. likely to be yeah. half a million or more? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but there are no live feeds coming from where, like for instance. Um, from my information, I believe that towns like Charleville and Mitchellstown have had their CCTV like Middleton installed, but it's not yet operational. Okay, so Charleville, um, Mitchellstown, um, Middleton, Bandon? Yeah, and Bandon, Bandon as well? Yeah, Bandon has had money ring-fenced for about 10 years, um, and they I, I don't think that they've had any uh, CCTV installed yet, but the money has been ring-fenced. Now, I know the councillors down there have been very vocal about what is happening down there. I think Minister Nocton visited the area a few days ago, and it was brought up to her um, about what is going on. What's now, it? we were told back in 2021 that the progress in a JPC meeting, that, the pro that they had progressed significantly in terms of protocol. So we What is that but what does that mean? I mean, the cameras are turned on, they record everything on the streets and the guardie monitor them. Isn't that and record them. Isn't that it? And then if there's a crime they can go back and look at it and see if they can well, catch I, them. 
I think that initially there was a bit of a discussion about who would be the data controller. Well, why then didn't they look at how other countries deal with it and other towns and maybe even other parts of Ireland? Well, that's that's the golden question. And how long is this going on? Since um, I since about two thousand nineteen, two thousand and eighteen, it's going on. Four years, um, but yeah, yeah. But I I suppose in a recent JPC meeting when it was queried with the commissioner about why we've been waiting so long, I think COVID was given as an, as an excuse as to why things have taken so long. Era, that but, excuse was trotted out way too often, I believe, wasn't it? It's, it's either COVID or it's GDPR. Yeah, but look, in regards to what progress has been made, I think that it has been established at national level that. The, the local authority will be the data controller. So I think that what has to happen now is that an, an independent body would have to be t- brought in to process the data. What's the worry what, about the data? Do you know? Well, I think that it's just that it has to be GDP, GDPR c- compliant. Um, but look, I just want to say that in 2021, we were told at a JPC meeting that there was that the, between the LGMA, which is the local government management agency, and the, the Gardaíochána data controller, that they were forming a joint policy on on CCTV. And as soon as that policy became available to the local authority, that guidelines would be set as to how we could run our CCTV, how it would be funded, and that we could we would have the go go ahead from there on in. Now that was back in May 2021. We're still waiting for that for those guidelines. So I, you know, around the rest of the country, like say in Dublin, that has a lot of big towns around Dublin, like your Dunleary's and your Hoth and stuff like that, villages like that. Do they have the systems turned on? Well, I I'm not sh- I I presume so. Like I know in Limerick, they they Limerick were very ahead of the game um, in terms of GDPR compliance because they had an independent data centre set up from the go ahead, and they run their CCTV via that from both the city um, and the county. Yeah, um, yeah. And who and monitors that? The guards, is it? No, I think it's an independent company. Now, that was funded by the Department of Social Protection. So why didn't we and do I the same as Limerick, do we know? Well, uh, that's, I asked this back in 2019, and um, I, I even suggested that maybe to kind of share the cost, that we would share this data centre with other neighbouring counties like Waterford. That, li- County that this data company that's retained by Limerick would also do the business for Cork, Cork County Towns. So... If there was a crime, you know, apparently there was an assault in Middleton. So I got beaten up at the ATM machine the weekend. Um, Would that have been captured on any camera? No, our cameras are not turned on. Mother of God. So I would presume that it would be caught on the CCTV from the bank. but 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 the cameras are there, though. They're there, but they're not turned on. But yeah. the guards need those cameras turned on to detect crime, like and catch a character. They mightn't catch him at the ATM machine, but they might catch him running away on one of the CCTV public cameras, surely. They need them. Oh, yes. Yes. So I totally, I totally agree. I I actually had um, a phone call and an email from our local guard station um, a couple of weeks ago. And the email, the title of the email read that there are a group of new Garda recently stationed at Middleton Gardaí station that are trying to form a strategy in terms of how they would target antisocial behaviour and, and crime yeah. within our town. And CCTV and I, would be central to that? Well, they asked me to fill out a survey and in nearly in every question that I filled out, CCTV was central. Absolutely. So if there's a crime on a main street in Bandon or Mitchellstown or Middleton or Charleville, 
it won't be captured on the public CCTV systems that are installed because they're turned off. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Oh man, that must be very frustrating for you. It is. It's very, very frustrating. I think especially we, like with, uh, I wouldn't say, I don't know whether to say influx or or not. I believe there has been an influx in violent crime in the last couple of weeks, couple of months. Um, I know myself and some of my constituents, there, there's there's a feeling in the air of unsafety and nervous. Absolutely. Like, I know myself, and, you know, just to bring it to a personal level, I've never been afraid to have clinics in the office on my own and to have people in the office on my own. I can meet people on small country roads to look at potholes before, but now I really do think twice. Um, For example, I was alerted to some um, faulty lanterns on one of our amenity walkways um, two weeks ago and I have to, had to go down to take the details of those lights and I didn't want to go on my own and that's never happened before and I think that You would never have had that thought process before but you do now No, never, yeah and I think if I'm thinking like that many other people are thinking like that yeah. and I think that yeah. now more so than ever we really need to push for like people are dragging their feet on this personally I think it's a cost issue I think that they're already installed they're there they're sitting there well the operational costs are also quite significant and I think that is what what is but they should have thought if that was a private business like heads would be rolling they should have thought all that through in advance you put them up and turn them on and then you ask the question okay now who's going to monitor these you know how are we going to do this efficiently well, I think that the, like the purpose when you, when you're installing CCTV under the legislation, you have to it has to be for a sole purpose. And I believe that in most of these cases, the purpose of the CCTV is for the prevention and the deterrent of crime. Crime, yeah. So yeah, so therefore, I think it could be argued that the Department of Justice could at least fund part fund or fund, you know, the majority. But of what it. is the issue? Is it that people might feel that they might get a parking fine because they'd be caught on a public CCTV camera or something? Or they might get penalty points because they were seen doing, yeah, I don't know, 40 and a 30 or something? Uh, I don't know. I really don't All know. Right. I think, okay. you know, for the greater good, I think the majority of people, you know, would like the CCTV operational. Um, I think that when something happens to you, like that man, you know, the, that man with the, the car incident, or when someone is attacked on the main street, if that's you, that's when you, you know, that that's what... It's the, the first thing Gardy look for. It's the first thing every, exactly. police, it's, every police service looks for. Is there any CCTV? Was it captured anywhere? Yeah. Okay. But um, I just suppose... In terms of our Gardaí, we have great Gardaí here in Middleton, but they can't be everywhere. And I think that, like you said yourself, CCTV is an absolute okay. must for All them right. to be able to do their job. Thank you. Uh, we've requested a response from the Chief Executive of the County Council, Tim Lucy. I'm awaiting that. As soon as I have it to hand, I'll bring it to air. But thank you, Danielle. I appreciate you taking the call. Cheers. Take care for now. What do you guys think anyway? Do you think that they should be turned on or off? Do you have issues with data protection? GDPR? I see somebody here has already. I understand your concerns about having CCTV cameras turned on. Um, but for what it's worth, I certainly don't want this country to turn into another China. I don't use Facebook any longer because I'm worried about them selling my information. I have issues with these cameras in cars also. Why should a stranger I don't even know have me on any camera and uploading it to the cloud to keep it for a month? So I say to the CCTV cameras, no, thank you. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Quick call the side of the break if you don't mind. Kevin, good morning. 
Morning, Neil. Talking about county towns this morning. So we mentioned Middleton and Mallow and Blarney and Charleville and Mitchellstown. And now Blarney. Go ahead. I know. It's just, uh, I missed your show the last couple of days due to work. But uh, um, my, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the court, um, Blarney Castle has grown... I mentioned, I, yeah, let me, let me just speed this up. I just mentioned in passing on Monday that uh, the operators yeah. of Brownie Castle are challenging uh, planning permission for a big supermarket and a hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he Charles Coulter so I want to get it uh, coming with, with the times. The Castle. Let's not let's not overly personalise that. I know that he oh, is. No, no. I know that he owns uh, it, but he yeah. he has he has made he has made. He has made an um, an appeal and has come up with reasons as to why harming yeah. its status, Blarney's status as a major tourist attraction, is one. Yeah, yeah, okay. A hotel. That's what we need is another hotel because there was a hotel there before, and they got closed. They got knocked down. And now we're looking at uh, overgrown shrubs, trees. God only knows what else is inside. Would the hotel be on the side of yeah. the old Blarney Hotel? That would be yeah, that would be down there, you see. Okay, so the hotel would be built where there was a hotel previous. Yeah, you yeah, need yeah. a hotel in Blarney, don't you? We, I would we think do, we, we do, we do, we definitely do. And the thing is, well, like we have only we don't have a supermarket in Blarney. We have two uh, convenience stores, which is not good. Yes, and that's bit. why that's why Mick Barry uh, TD was was talking about the distance people have to travel for a big shop. Yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah, how exactly. for, where where would Blarney people go for a big shop? Well, you either go north to Littles or go to, go up to Tower, which is uh, to Super Value. We, we had Super Value in Barney, but it was, uh, it was changed around when I went into that detail. Okay. So you'd have to go to Tower, uh, Blackpool yeah. maybe? Blackpool, yeah. So you're, you're traveling four or five miles. Well, Tower two miles, Blackpool five. So the, the, the thing is, we need development in Blarney. Well, I believe in the past now, we have to move on in my view. And uh, it'd be much better for Blarney to get more stuff in, more business into Blarney because, as I say, we're looking at a nice store at the moment. Yeah, well, Blarney, yeah, on board plan all agreed with you. They granted planning yeah. permission for, yeah. I believe, an 80-bedroom hotel, a yeah. licensed supermarket, office yeah. buildings, commercial units, yeah. a coffee shop, and indeed yeah. 70 residential units for people to live yeah. in. Yeah. yeah, I have no problem. I'm totally behind it because, as I say, we have to live with the times now. Move it the will times. do no, yeah. It will do no harm to Blarney Castle. You still get half a million a year in, in, in tourism, whatever. It will not affect anything. Does it, it affect say. their skyline? Um, could it take from the the beauty of the castle itself or anything? I'm just curious. Well, I don't know. Look, the castle is there for God knows how long. There was a hotel there before. And he did no did no harm to nobody. So well, I don't know. I think it would make an awful lot of sense with Blarney Castle as a tourist attraction to have Blarney Village with a hotel. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. as I said, we need we need like it would be great to get it up and running. And I can think you can cross them with Charles and do that. But we need to go with the times. All right, my friend. Thanks for taking the call. Cheers, Pat. That will come before the courts because he's challenging it in April. If you're in the Blarney area and want to contribute to that conversation, text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter 
at Neil Red FM. Yeah, no matter what we look at it, I, I think I'm right in saying the cameras can help to solve crime. Now, if people have issues with their data being harvested and with uh, GDPR and stuff, uh, they're going about their business um, and not break, breaking any laws. I, I kind of get that. But I think the bigger picture here is, you know, uh, if we're not breaking any laws and we're all behaving ourselves, why should we be living in fear of them? Um, I know that in the UK now they have facial techni- te- technology where they can identify your face and then they can actually find out who you are through these cameras. So that might be a step too far. But uh, this is, here's a typical example. I had an incident with my car on St. Mary's Road and the guards could not access the uh, CCTV. Uh, can I just page up on that one? It's a text there, Kier. Uh, an incident with my car on Mary's Road and the guards could not access the CCTV footage. Um, apparently they told me it was an issue with the council. Now that issue was resolved, thank God, but they would, but would they provide the footage if someone was attacked and killed? This needs to be sorted for sure. Yeah, I mean, you can't be relying on business. That's a typical example of somebody who was involved in some kind of a, uh, an incident with your car, as you say, and the guy. I mean, it must be very frustrating for guards as well. Okay, so we'll come back to all of that if you've thoughts on it. Yesterday, when we were coming off air, Olivia Kelleher and indeed, in fairness, Paul Byrne both came back to me with sentencing for Don uh, O'Callan, who got three and a half years jail. Uh, over 33 years, they figure it, uh, it's the longest known pension fraud in the state. Uh, his dad started it actually before him, uh, claiming the pension of his dead wife uh, and then Don himself for 33 years claimed the pension of his father and indeed his mother who were dead a long time in fact his mother was dead uh, 43 years and his dad was dead um uh, that, that, uh, what, 34 years okay so the sentence came in yesterday three and a half years a lot of texts on this uh, morning Neil Donacallan did the crime but he certainly is not doing the time three and a half years is a joke it should have been at least ten years this guy knew exactly what he was doing three and a half years over half a million euro fraud is very lenient says Terry morning I paid tax for 40 years and I see that man get away with drawing his dead parents pension for 33 years how did this happen how did he get away with it it's a disgrace says Pat uh, ah well no one got hurt says Tony physically anyway he actually saw the opportunity to shaft the government and he took it it's about time someone gave them a taste of their own medicine says Tony mm, interesting Deirdre said why are some people behaving like he's a modern day Robin Hood the man stole over half a million of taxpayers money and some think he's marvellous but God forbid if an actual taxpayer did this there would be cause for the death penalty this hypocrisy is literally blowing my mind says Deirdre uh, and Tracy for now just one more I'm more concerned with rapists and violent criminals being left off with a slap on the wrist than this type of crime says Tracy keep those texts coming text 0868104106 Pat good morning Good morning. How are you? Thanks for okay. Thanks for picking up on this. Um, before sentencing, had you a number in mind as to how long he might get? Well, to be honest with you, not not in that sense. What what I was really thinking of was uh, if 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 you got your uh, your 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 television license and you didn't pay it, and uh, they're threatening you with Alcatraz, you know. Yeah, but so like you have, it could... it, you, okay. have, you have to look at it in the context of uh, also with uh, with with the big bust. Back in the in the oh eight oh or seven oh eight, where no bankers to, went to jail. No, no, you have to, and you're talking about billions, and what we're paying still for it, like you know. Yeah, and yeah. you also have to look at it from today's point of view. Now, I'm a pensioner, and looking back at the honesty aspect of it, come back to the the sixties, seventies, and the fifties, even when we were young lads, you know, if you were caught robbing a bar of chocolate in Woolworths, you got six to twelve months in an institution, you know. Was it that and bad? You, yeah, you're talking about was, the likes of Green Mountain stuff. 
Oh, it was, yeah. And and uh, you 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 had a terrible aspect in, in society with regards to a lot of that, especially if you were working class, you know. And uh, and you had no pull, like you know, the system was was based on pull in that sense. Do you know? believe that it's the small guy gets hit the hardest, like and you'd well, call Donald no, Callan one of the, the taxpayer? It's the very same with the taxpayer. And uh, if you look at uh, with the, the the social fund that was where it was supposed to be, it was supposed to be brought in for a, a short while to pay off the to help the country out of its financial crisis back with, with Michael Noonan. And uh, and we're still paying it now. You'll be paying it now. Most people working will be paying it. The USC. The and the, yeah, and, and the tell me this, why... With, with, your, with your pension. Yeah, why tax no, the very same with your pension with regards to uh, uh, 65. When we worked manual labour, it was, was, was endemic in society and most men were dead by 60, 65 with the conditions. And what happened, a lot of them didn't live to see their pensions. They didn't live to see 65. And now, now they're telling us pe- the people have to work till 17 early. But you see the the, 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 the the TDs and the senators themselves can get a pension with the, with only two or three years. And is that the reason why um, you say well, you see, you that Don O'Callaghan should story. be given, you say he should be given a medal? Well, you see, the thing about, about looking, isn't, isn't he after opening up our eyes to see what's going on in society? There's a cake's a cake's run in certain societies in, in in the country, and they're getting away with it. In the, se- in the sense, what has he what has he shone a light on? That how easy it was for him to do it for so long, is it? It was, yeah, it was because when we were grown up as well, you have to look at history and what we learned from it. When we were grown up, especially from the south of Ireland, anyone, most of the lads that I went 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 off to the American army, the British army, the Australian army, they wound up. And a lot of them would have had, would, wouldn't have had much education, but they wound up very clever, clever men and women. And they, 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 what they did, they improved societies in the countries that they went to. Yeah. And the one thing they were actually told in these countries is how, how intelligent they are with regards to uh, uh, fraud and things. Because uh, what happened was that we were naturally brought up naturally nosy. We knew our neighbours, we knew what was going on. But that's not happening today. People don't. They don't communicate. The kids today, they're caught up in the society with this new technology and the technology is falling back on top it's, of them. Well, there's a it's, point it's, there, actually, where a whole younger generation now don't want actual phone calls anymore. They want texts instead. Their ability to actually yeah. speak now is going to be at risk in the future. Well, yeah. what, what is happening? What is happening? So, exactly. If you go down to the bank and you go in and you look for sterling or you look for uh, any foreign currency outside Europe, you won't get tell it. You they haven't got it. No, no. And uh, you, 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 the banks were there to help people. No, no, they're, they're, they're there for their own ends. They're not there for the benefit of the people anymore. You'll be better off no credit unions and and uh, and the post office. And actually, your savings. It won't be too long now before they start charging you for keeping your money in the bank. Well, they do. Well, they do. They do charge for holding on to your money. Well, in the sense that they they haven't got what they'll charge you in the future, it won't be worth having money. Okay, listen. You 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 raise an awful lot of very very interesting points, and thank you for them. Do you believe, like others, then, that Don O'Callaghan is a modern day Robin Hood? Well, I wouldn't go that far, to be honest. He didn't give it to the poor. He gave it to the bookies. 
he gave it to the bookies, yeah. But if you look at society, you I, I, I know people now that were, uh, were were alcoholics. I know people that were gamblers. And when you go down that road, and now we have trouble, terrible back again with the drugs again. You have the the serious drug drugs in the country, you know. So oh. you it's 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 all to do with regulation and how how you stop these things. You, well, know? Look, you have to ask the you question. Have... Okay, unfortunately, he did gamble an awful lot of it away, and the bookies made took all of the money, and he frittered away the cash apparently on on gambling. But he hadn't worked in over 30 years. Uh, do you think that well, maybe he had too much time in his hands and, and too much money for well, fraudulently claiming that's, pensions? That's, ex- that's exactly it. We're coming to a society now where, where, where we think we have a right to everything. And there's no there's no penalties anymore because you look at it and you say, you, 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 we're short of workers. You say you're bringing in from all over the world. They're not regulated. A lot of them, they're not checked. I don't know. I don't know whether it was unemployment benefit, incidentally, or disability benefit. So I don't want to wrong the man, but I'm just just curious as to with all of that time on your hands, uh, a lot of people who get up early and go out to work and work hard are exhausted trying to pay bills and whatever. They don't have time to fritter away their monies in the bookies. Well, that's that's the middle the middle people. They're the people that have to pay for everything. They're, they're, the cash cow to the governments because uh, if if you're living off the system, which is more and more I'm doing it this, uh, by, by today's standards, uh, the system can't go on. You see, and the people that's paying it but can't pay anymore because they're caught now. Look at the the rents and the the mortgages to where people and with the interest rates going up now sharply again, they'll okay. be going up in a lot of ways. People are going to find it very hard. And we're going back instead of forward as a modern society. We're going backward. All right, let people jump in on your comments and pick up on them. Thank you, Pat. I've just managed to clarify, actually, it wasn't. Uh, don't think it was a disability payment. It seems to have been his job seekers allowance. So when you combine his job seekers allowance for years and years and years and years uh, with the pension payments fraudulently claimed, it was 700 cash per week. Jean, good morning. Uh, hello, good morning, Ian. What How do you, are you? What, do you ma- what do you make of that sentence? Three and a half years, one, four, it was actually four and a half, one suspended. Well, as the saying goes, water doesn't run uphill. Unfortunately, people like him have seen what their so-called betters have been up to for years and years. Now, while I'm not defending what he did, where were the senior officials in the Department of Social Welfare? Where the the lady that we watched on Monday night, 500,000 defrauded from poor, vulnerable from vulnerable people whose mortgages were in difficulty. Carey, yeah, yeah, yeah. On and on That's and on a guard investigation now, actually, a guard yeah, investigation. Yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, as I say, nobody's defending what the chap, what he did or what he was able to do. But like that other chap said, authorities, government and otherwise, any service, public service, it's nearly impossible to get a public service. There's very little face-to-face. It's all online text, this, that and the other so nobody knows anybody anymore, mm. as that chap was saying apparently, well. you, apparently you wouldn't get away with a scam like this now because the fact well, that he got away with it was because it started no, 33 it's, years it's, ago when there was yeah, paper yeah, involved yeah, paper, yeah, but it's not just paper it's not just one thing, it's a combination of, of sweet, as they say of issues that allows these things to happen. Years ago they used to go into a bank to rob go, get you taking a different tax, yeah, come yeah. into a bank to rob money. Now they sit in some other jurisdiction with banks of computers and money is taken from individuals, organisations and institutions, accounts. Uh, 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 you know, without that, any 
gun involved. Yeah, that money, but, uh, that money mule story is a typical example of this. There was three involved. Two of them were Irish, but the third guy, um, who uh, I think it was twenty six and a half grand. It was a car couple who were, thought that they were building or paying to build a dream home in Kerry. They were defrauded out of something like twenty six and a half grand. The third fella, they were never able to find them because all of it happened yes. in an online world. Yeah, yeah, that's it. As, as I say, if you go in to open a bank account or any kind of, they want, you know, you, you have to prove who you are nearly in triplicate. You nearly have to put your hand out and let them put your their fingers on your pulse to see, are you, are you, are you alive? There's no, there's still, it's, it's called closing the door after the horse has bolted. It was something similar with um, the company that received a lot of, uh, and you know, a lot of um what you call money from the government due, due to COVID and passed it on to the shareholders. That's right, yeah. Big motor, in, in, big motor in, importers, in, yeah. 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 In other jurisdictions, that uh, stable door was bolted at the start. But I, I know, but I'm getting the impression from you that you're saying that he did no wrong because there's no, way more corruption no. going on anyway. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that when it's professional, it seems, corporate, tax when we see the tax defaulters list millions and millions owed they owe so much they get so much companies, li- companies liquidate and they move on yeah they don't yeah, pay it yeah. and they just so, yeah, yeah so, so, all, so there's no judge or any politician or any anybody else commenting on all that money that could have been used for the health education housing you know so I mean, it, it seems like there's one rule for the rich a certain yeah. well not even the rich but a certain professional class okay. and okay. another for the ordinary folk okay. that, was all, that was the only point I was trying an to make an excellent really. point and, and thank you for it Jean thank you so I'd much say, I'm, I'm not saying the chap did, was you know he's not a Robin Hood or he's not anything but unfortunately you see what what you know it just becomes ingrained in in uh, I know, but 1,700 times, 1,700 times, or there, thereabouts, every single week, he walked into the GPO yeah, uh, on Alfred Brown Street, knowing 1,700 times that what he was doing no. was illegal. Wait, Not once, was, uh, 1,700. No, but should we know that? But as I say, no, how many okay. times okay. in the professional world has this happened? Good, good, good. Okay, Can't, thank you for that. No. Thanks, okay, Jean. Bye-bye. Thank you. Can bye-bye. I just go back? I mentioned there the 26 grand that the elderly couple lost in an email fraud. I think they got some of it back, um, but I think they are like 10 grand still out of pocket. So with the two guys before the court, one fellow was 22 years old. The other fella wasn't too far off that, I, I think. Uh, there was the third guy involved in the scam. There, these two young men, one was a college student, uh, they, they would be termed money mules. The third person was using their bank accounts. Now, what was in it for them, I don't know. But they were the two that were before the courts. And both of them, both of them got suspended sentences. Thank you for making the Neil Prendiville Show the most listened to talk show in Cork again. Cork's Red FM. I think it's absolutely bizarre that we have these television systems, CCTV cameras, all installed, switched off because there's issues as to who will actually look after them and monitor them and uh, you know, where will the monitoring station be and who would pay for it? <sighs> uh, I just couldn't make it up. Maybe if they stop paying free legal aid for all the scumbags with 100 or so convictions, maybe they could then fund the CCTV monitoring in county towns. Uh, somebody else says, sorry, if you're shady, if you're worried about CCTV, it's the community's protections more important than your paranoia. It's the shady people that should be worried about the cameras. On pension fraud, in the case of Don uh, O'Callaghan, three and a half years, politicians rob us blind every day, but nobody wants them to go to jail. Bankers robbed us blind, nothing. Fair play to them. 
This is how this government works. Get the general public to turn on each other and deflect away from their missing, their miscomings and robberies of the state. Uh, there's quite an amount of support, actually, uh, for Donna Callahan. Not, not all, but a lot more than I perhaps thought there might have been. Three and a half years is too much. He should have got nothing. How many years did the bankers get away when they took millions from us when the recession happened? Uh, This fraud was unbelievable as to how it continued for so long, even from his father's time, and how departments don't know that someone has died. Also, the fact that the guard could not get written proof of the couple's deaths on file. He had to go out and trawl the graveyards to find out if they had died. Of course, if this was classed as white-collar crime he probably would have walked away. Uh, that's astonishing. Um, and there's many more like that uh, on Blarney Castle then. Just a point about the operator of Blarney Castle. The main reason he's going to court to object to the new hotel is that they may well be planning to build their own hotel or maybe a pub or an avoca style set up on the grounds of the castle within the next few years. I don't know anything about that. I mean, it's his land. He can do whatever he wishes with the land. But one thing's for sure, in my book anyway, Blarney needs a hotel. I mean, you can't have a tourist centre as popular as that all over the world. Without a hotel. Um, half a million for about two years in prison. That doesn't deter anyone uh, in the future from doing this. There's a big difference between the law and justice, says Bernie. Uh, Eileen says he should not be allowed to ever claim another red cent ever again. So there's lots like that, and I will come back to them. Back to the phone lines we go. Dave, good morning. Morning, Neil. Okay, firstly, the sentence, four and a half years, one year suspended, a three and a half sentence probably will serve... Two to two and a half. Your thoughts on that? Um, I didn't. I, 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 I honestly expect him to get a longer sentence. Did you? But yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because some but, some might have, like you can't tell in an Irish court because equally he got a, could have got a suspended sentence on the promise that he'd get treatment for his addiction. Yeah, but like my point, the point I'm making, Johnny. Like, anyway, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, he seemed to be drawn. Job seekers' loans for 30 years. Yeah. I mean, did he ever, you know, was he ever questioned? Was he ever put on a course or a scheme? Like, I think the system itself is just... Well, that's that's another elephant in the room, for sure. You if, know what I mean? Like, I don't want to dr- drill into his own personal circumstances no, no, too no, much. No. He did the crime and now he will do the time. He's doing the yeah. time he's been asked to do. But it wasn't it wasn't a disability payment, was it? It was a job seeker's no, allowance. No, job seekers. Job seekers' loans, yeah. So, I mean, that's a very, very long time to be on a job seeker's loans. And... The requirement is that you have to, don't you have to produce letters to prove that you are actually yeah. looking for work? Is that not the case? You you do, I think you do, yeah, you do. Yeah. You know, so, I mean... We should be asking why somebody can be on job seekers for 30 yeah, years. Yes, but well, that's what I'm saying. The system itself should be asking, like, how, you know... Did he ever work, like? Exactly, exactly. And the so, sentence, so I mean, do you think the sentence is, is too low? Um, well, I suppose it is. A lot of people, actually, an awful lot of techs, actually, think that he shouldn't be going to jail at all. Well, I suppose if you look at the system itself and the system lets you get away with it, I, I don't know, I know it's fraud and all that, but 
you have to look into the system where it's leaving someone behind job seekers allowance for good man that's the point you wanted to make and you're that's right to point. make it yeah fair play well done thanks for that ok how can somebody be on job seekers for 30 years I don't I can't answer the question that he's asking as to whether or not uh, Don O'Callaghan ever did any courses or was false trained in anything back in the day anyway text 0868104106 pick up the phone on 0818104106 to line 4 we go Kieran good morning Hey Neil, how are you? Okay, your thoughts. Go ahead. Well, again, it's like the other people. Just, just move around a little bit there, Karen. It's not a great line. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, uh, I just stopped the hill here, just walking. Can you hear me? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's just, the point I was making was that first of all, I suppose it's ironic that he's now going to cost us more inside in prison than he did through his thievery. I mean, he was taking, I think, was it a thousand euro a week illegally? Well, the um, the figure with everything combined, it was about seven hundred cash a week. There was five hundred and twenty-seven thousand from the pension claims over thirty-three years. There's nothing fraudulent sure. about his job seekers, but you add that to it, and it's significantly more than five hundred twenty-seven thousand. Yeah. Well, okay, that's thirty-five grand a year, approximately forty grand a year. Now he's going to cost us. I think the average cost of keeping a prisoner in prison at the moment is eighty. So I suppose the the, the issue or the point I was going to make was, um, my perspective, it's the system is wrong. I mean, he's not a danger to society. We, your, your previous um, article was about CCTVs and the issue with violence and Ashley Murphy, Lord Murphy, the, the, the violence against women. There's only a limited amount of space in prison and it's not that he doesn't need to be punished, it's just that we don't seem to have very much a, a two-tier system in, in the Irish penal system, which is either you're suspended, suspended sentence, and out you go. Or alternatively, it's prison. Yeah, but this um, could be... De- well, this isn't an attack on the person. It probably could be termed, ter- termed maybe a white-collar crime, kind of, isn't it? Oh, a- a- absolutely, Neil. But, I mean, he's got three and a half years. Thomas Burns Lister um, defrauded people of 70 million years ago. He got 12 years. So, you know, when people start linking the length of the prison s- sentence to the amount that someone steals, I think they're missing the point. Okay, the why are they missing the point? What would be a better result on this? Because it's going to cost well, us 80 grand a year I, to I, keep him in jail, yeah. Yeah, I think that's so. One of the things that we should look at is more community service. Why isn't this guy being given a service, um, community service order, where he's got to tend to old people's gardens or looking after them? Now, I know looking after them might require qualifications, but doing some work that supports the elderly. At 80,000 a year, you could get the supervisors to ensure that it's done, it's done properly. A few years ago, there was a debate about um, electronic bracelets, anklets for, for um, non violent or certain qualifying prisoners. Uh, so that they wouldn't take up the two and a half thousand prison space we have in this country. Right, right. Um, right where is that going right. to? Again, we do, uh, there was talk about um, um, requiring a constitutional referendum. Have it. I'd say 95% of the country would vote for it in the morning. Yeah. We, uh, the point is that it's, it's not the government who are being, um, who are being um, uh, defrauded. It's us, the taxpayers. Governments. The government isn't even... They're, they're just made up of people. They're taxpayers too. So but while he'll do the time for the crime, all the money's gone, incidentally, we will yeah. have to stump up now to keep him in jail and you think that community service, if you could get guard a clearance for something like that, you see, I don't know whether you could for... Well, I, you know, I, I'm, I, again, there should be a debate about it. It's not so much, you know, you could solve it tomorrow, but this should be an example. He's been living in a house that he wasn't entitled to live in, I presume, as a single man, although he had mm, dead parents. Don't know about that. He, he, was, well, he was... Okay, he was a single man in a house all on his own, but it was his family home. Well, I presume that there's other criteria um, 
Oh, you're breaking up. Just no. move around. I mean, I don't know what happens when the parents on the books die and there's a, a son yeah. or a daughter. Do they uh, do they have to leave? I don't know, but it's, again, it's, again, the point is that again and again and again, the taxpayer is going to be done out here. He's in prison for three and a half years. Does that mean his house stays vacant until he comes back? Yeah, it um, would do. Yeah, I would think so yeah. if he was, yeah. We yeah. have to pay for him being in prison for the money that he stole from us. So it's just... Money after money after money. He's in prison for doing wrong, doing around money, and it's costing us more money to punish him. And I'm just saying, my God, there's got to be a better system than that. Okay. Surely, be to God, we should have a debate around anklets. We should have a debate around community service. We should have a debate around alternatives to prison, particularly with white collar. We have enough people roaming our streets who are causing violent harm to people and scaring them in their homes. That's who should be in prison, not necessarily... I'm not saying he shouldn't be punished. I'm just saying, come on, guys, 21st century... You know, technology has taken over. Surely there's an alternative when someone steals money to put them in prison. Yes, but what about a deterrent to others then, not to commit the same kind of crime, which they know if they do, they'll only get community service, cleaning gardens and picking up rubbish? Well, well, Neil, again, um, the conversation has got to be around what's the purpose of prison. You know, is he going to, is, is it purely about punishment and deterrence? I mean, look at the States. They've locked away two million people and dropped there. You know, gun crime is as bad as ever. The That's true. That is true. Year. So yeah, it yeah. doesn't act as a deterrence. There's someone out there right now doing exactly the same thing. And he's going to hear, or she's going to hear about John O'Connor this morning. Is he going to stop going down to the uh, to the post office claiming money that he's not entitled to? You see, no. that's, the, that's an incredible thing point you make there because they, that person can't actually stop now because when they stop, they're going to get caught because people will then start asking questions why is nobody collecting this pension anymore? And then there'll be an investigation and then they'll be found that the person whose pension was being collected was dead. So they, whoever's doing it now has to keep doing it. Neil, when you made that point yesterday morning, if the radio wasn't attached to the car, it would have thrown it out the window. He, fair enough, that point. Okay, I take it. But it didn't force him to spend the money. If he had 533,000 sitting in the bank account out and used that excuse, I'd have some sympathy. He no, I mean, I wasn't. Uh, no, listen, I hope I didn't give the impression that I was defending it. I was just no, saying no, that. No, no, not at all. He, could, he, he probably went into the GPO a lot of the time saying, oh, my God, I can't get out of this nightmare. Yes, I, and, I, and I understand that. He was locked into a situation yeah. that he was terrified to stop. But it didn't stop him. He, he didn't have to take the money out of his bank account that he, t- that he put in there because he couldn't get out of defrauding. If there's two issues here. He took the money from the post office and he also blew it. Yeah, I mean, I also was thinking about this yesterday, wondering, at any stage, did you not think that the only thing that he could do would be to leave the country? Like, go to Thailand or something and just leg it? Well, he did that a few times, Neil. But yeah, yeah, but no, but he, he kept coming back and the pension would build up. And he, yeah. but, 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 Neil, your, your point about him um, not knowing how to get out of it, I understand. I get that. What I, if you, as I said, if you were standing in front of Helen Boyle yesterday with 533,000 in the bank out, he wouldn't be in prison this morning. True you know, enough. Was, yeah, true it enough. Was the st- it was, he defrauded, and fair enough your point, he couldn't stop because then he was caught, but he spent it. The money is not in his bank account. So I'm sorry, the amount of sympathy that I have for him, and you know, saying that the government does that as well, what, what does government mean? Government doesn't steal anything. Government's an entity. It's the, pe- the people who make up the government are in the main honest men and women. 
and they pay taxes too. So it's, it's the people who are saying that he's defrauded the government. No, he defrauded you. That's it. If you live in Ireland, That's and you pay taxes, yeah. and you, everyone pays taxes, even if they're on social welfare, they're paying VAT or they're paying excise on their petrol. Just a, fi- just a final point before I let you go. Did, did it ever cross your mind at all in all of this that he frittered it away in the bookies? It's not as if he turned 527,000 euro into a million or a million and a half gambling. He lost it to the bookies. Doesn't that go to show that gambling is a deadly vice? Absolutely, absolutely. I know, I mean, you know, no, there's nothing, I mean, everything about this is tragic. There, I mean, the very fact that the poor man, and I do have a certain amount of sympathy because his dad showed him how to do it. He didn't lift this off a stone. That's right. So nature, nature versus nurture. Nothing about this is good, Neil. But I just think as a society, we need to get our heads out of the Dickensian world of you have to put people in prison when they do wrong and have a thought to should go there and why. Okay, excellent points being made by people this morning, yourself included, and thank you for it. Keep those texts coming, text 0868104106. Kathleen, good morning. Morning, Neil. Thanks for holding, um, and thank you for your text. Go ahead. Uh, I do. I actually feel sorry for this guy, Neil, for the simple reason is they allowed his addiction to go on longer and longer until it could go on no more. Because they gave him money. I know that they didn't give it, but he had enough money from the social welfare because they weren't doing their job properly to feed his addiction. It was not going to... It had, they can't just stop themselves because it's an addiction. It's like a person who's an alcoholic. God love us, they're just looking out from inside the bottle. They just can't help and I, I know, and if we had an opportunity to drill into anybody who went down that kind of road, one would wonder, is it because they had too much time on their hands, too much easy money? I know that isn't, you can't generalise, you know, but his chronic mm-hmm. gambling addiction, is the chronic gambling addiction because of the fraud? Well, he, he had the opportunity, nobody, when, he, when you know, when his late mother died, how come nobody came up with better debt cert? How come nobody looked into it? That, that was the start. How come nobody looked into it? His mother had been deceased. That was 43 years ago, you see. There must yeah. have been loads of cracks back then. You wouldn't get away with it now, I'm told. Yes. So it was the cracks that were there that led him on to be where he is today. So I don't put full blame on him at all. I blame the cracks in the social welfare system. Maybe that are there still or that were there at the time. And it was maybe the gambling addiction that drove him every week to draw the pensions, is it? To feed the habit that he couldn't stop. It was like like food meal, it was survival, it just, that's where he got the buzz all the time because he knew he had all this extra money for his buzz. Yeah. It's It's the same as the drug addiction, you know, how can they stop? They can't stop unless they, they get help. So I think he's actually in a place now at the moment in his mind where he has peace of mind. You think he has peace of mind because it's finally behind him, is it? Yeah, and his secret is out, Neil. His little secret is out in the open. Yeah. Because I'd say mentally he was in jail anyway. Should, 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 there be an, should we be feeling sorry for him then? Um, I'd be feeling sorry for the addiction that he had, that it's health that he needed. And I wouldn't make him out to be a bad person. Mm, mm. I, I do. I, that's how yeah, I feel. Yeah, no, I, I like your compassion on this. I really do. You know, uh, I do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's how I feel, Neil. It's more compassion than saying, oh, he's a bad guy. Look what he did. He's after robbing the social welfare of thousands of whatever. No, I feel ca- uh, compassion. Sincere compassion for his addiction.
Absolutely. Okay, okay. But do you agree that there had to be some kind of a sentence? Um, I do agree with the last caller on uh, saying don't put him into jail. I, 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 no, I say I would have preferred if he was kept out of jail and maybe give him some kind of community work. Okay, okay. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Kathleen. Appreciate it. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number 0818104106. And you can text 0868104106. Laura, my apologies for holding you. Good morning. You're okay. Good morning, Neil. Your thoughts on this? Um, I just think I, I think it's a social welfare thing. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in full time care for my daughter. She has cerebral palsy and epilepsy, and I'm on care as benefit at the moment. But next year, when I need to go to allowance, I won't qualify for it mm-hmm. because we earn too much money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we, bar- you know, we're barely keeping the lights on, barely paying the rent. You know, so your care so, allowance goes. Yeah, but your so, care does not go. No, so. He was 30 years on job seekers and I know people that have been on it as long as well and they never get called for anything. There's never any check. They're never asked. Are they looking for a job? But if I was to go on it, I'd have to go on every course. I'd have to have a letter every couple of weeks to say I'm looking for a job. Long, You know of long-term unemployed that would be getting yeah. um, the uh, unemployment benefit, medical cards, fuel allowance. Yeah, getting everything uh, and... They're never ever asked. They're never sent in a course. They're never asked what they're doing day to day. Working for a living is totally alien to them, like? Yeah, yeah. They haven't worked. They've just potted along. They get their money every week and they continue on. And they've been doing it for years. And it just seems like, you know, they've forgotten about it. Because they've been on it so long, it's just never checked. And I'd say, this is what happened to this guy. It was never ever checked. Well, he did have like, oppor- he did have opportunities to come clean and and didn't take them. I mean, he was contacted from I time know. to time. There was an inspector phoned him during COVID to confirm stuff with regarding his his mother and his father, and that his dad would would take the president's payment. He didn't he, he didn't come clean then. You know, he had lots of opportunities to say, "I want to." Confess. But he also had an addiction, and they were feeding his addiction. They were giving it to him. There was no other. There was like, a, they're checking up and they're saying, like... There was an issue for um, a PPS card where they were looking for a photograph of his father. Uh, he ended up taking a picture of another elderly gentleman and using that instead. Um, that was another opportunity to say, I have something to confess. But he got away with it? They didn't double-check that? They didn't, no, they didn't. They accepted the you photograph. Know? Yeah. You know, if nothing was said until COVID, he was 30 years until anything was said. Yeah, we got to commend you the know? detective guard and Mick Nagel as well. He did incredible work in that. I mean, he did incredible work. I mean, it's all wrong that they yeah. ultimately he ultimately had to go to graveyards to find headstones of a dead mother and a dead father. Yeah. But um, you don't agree with prison, though. No, I think he should be like. What's the point in locking him up? He might he might get in another addiction in there. He obviously has an addiction, addictive personality. You know, what if he's in with the wrong crowd in there? You know. I don't think that's going to help him in any way. Like maybe making him volunteer to help the elderly, making him have a wage so he can look after himself, but he has to contribute something back would be better than just locking him away. Let's, let's park Donna Callan for a moment and look at anybody who, say, for instance, defrauded the state of money or engaged in this kind of activity for 30 years. Um, would they be the type of person that you'd want working or helping the elderly? Um, do you know what I mean? Well, they could be supervised, you know, kept under wraps. 
like helping the elderly could be caught in the grass at the front. They don't need yeah, to Yeah, but it could ultimately lead with somebody having idea. access to a banker's card or bank accounts or something like that. No? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I've been picking up a lot but, of forgiveness and compassion from people and, and that's yeah, nice. I just, yeah, I just don't know. Is, this, is prison the best option, you know? Is this the best option to handle someone that has a serious addiction? That's interesting you say that because 30 years on job seekers never getting a job and you losing your carer's allowance because you are a little bit higher than the yeah. threshold uh, but yet you you still have compassion. Yeah. I'm not hard. <laughs> good girl. Okay, well, thanks for that. Okay, Laura, appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. Cheers. Thank you. Monica, good morning. Good morning. Okay, another person who's listening to this program who's unhappy with the jail sentence. Of course, yeah. Okay, Why? In my, well, there's people there and paid to do their job they didn't do properly. Because if they did, they'd be after following up on that. And, like, I think if they gave him, um, if they made him do something childcare or go into the homes and help old people rather than, and, and help his addiction. They helped his addiction by what they did. Yeah, but they didn't they knowingly, they didn't knowing the system or the taxpayer didn't knowingly help. know that he was gambling at. Because well, we didn't even know he was getting it. He was picking up his, his their their pension every two weeks and surely to goodness wherever he was picking that up, plus the fact that people are inside an offices and they should have seen bought something. So on the basis that they didn't pick up on it, didn't stop it, yes. turned him into a gambling addict, um, yeah. he shouldn't be going to jail or found guilty of any crime? Well, he found guilty, of course, but not what what's jail going to do for him and it's only costing the state again okay okay it's an interesting one okay thank you for that but community service is what a lot of people are saying this morning thank you so much monica thank you it's an interesting case actually going back to 2014 for you which is a former manager of boyle sports bookmakers on castle street stole almost six hundred thousand euro from the shop and gambled most of it through Paddy Power's website. So he was the manager of Boy Sports and gambled it on Paddy Power's website. It was about €600,000. That would have been a lot more than €600,000 now, as you can imagine. This is 2014. Um, and evidence given by guards said that Paddy Power became so concerned about the extent of the gambling of this fella in Carrick Tool, he's from Carrick Tool, but I call Crowley, that it investigated it internally and refused to take any more bets from him. Um, that Paddy Powers, where he was betting it, even uh, told him no more. Um, the detective said that Paddy Power did not notify the management at Boyle Sports about the matter, but there was 236 separate thefts where he failed to lodge shop cash receipts into the company's main account any day on which he was working. And it went on for 22 months. Uh, it was eventually discovered by his employers, but not before he had stolen just under €600,000 and gambled it. The chances of a gambling addict repaying any money was described by, by the detective as zero. He gambled every day, blowing 398000 alone with Paddy Power online. The guard said that because of the scale of the gambling by an individual, they're required to investigate the source of the money. Um, and uh, they did so. And uh, his uh, defending counsel said that if the matter had been detected earlier, he would have had some chance with dealing with the amount of money. But because it wasn't, it was huge amounts. He said that like a lot of gamblers, his hope was that he would have a big win um, and then pay it all back and resign from his job. Uh, but that didn't happen, of course. He did He did uh, cooperate with the investigation. But interestingly, uh, the judge imposed a five-year jail sentence but suspended it in its entirety. Judge said this is an extraordinary case. 
in excess of half a million euro was stolen from Boyle Sports over two years. A significant breach of trust to beggars belief that the company are so disorganised that they didn't know what was going on for two years. The man entrusted to make lodgements wasn't making them. One would expect this would be picked up overnight or within a week in a properly run business, said the judge. Uh, the charges state that uh, Crowley stole varying sums from Boyle Sports Castle Street on dates between 2011 and 2013. That was a suspended sentence, maybe because it happened within the within the commercial entity of the private world, as in a company was robbed as opposed to the state. Do you know what I mean? But it was, and it's another example actually of somebody who had vast amounts of money, in this case 590,000 euro, gambled it and lost. I mean, it's not as if he turned the 600,000 into a million or a million and a half. None of that happened. Text 0868104106 tells you the power of gambling and, uh, you know, ultimately, who actually wins in gambling anyway? Neil's got a new number. Call him now on 0818104106. Yes, indeed, Ian. You can text 0868104106. Mattia, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. As a, as a Croatian living here about six, seven years, um, yeah. would this happen in Croatia? It, I'm not saying that it wouldn't. It would, but um, if anybody from like from the general public or anybody um, would catch a glimpse of happening something like this, they would report it straight away. Yeah, like but see, see, they were, see, people wouldn't have known. I mean, if he went from the GPO to the bookies on Pembroke Street and lost it in the bookies office, nobody would see trappings of wealth. How would they know? Yeah, they wouldn't know. But what I'm uh, go back to the start of the problem. He has been claiming pension from his deceased parents for more than thirty years. Yes, I don't understand how. how like, first of all, how, how nobody got. Um, I understand that he fraud, defrauded documents and, and everything. He did. But there, there, there is something broken in the system if this is allowed to go on for 30 years. But if we accept that it was a chronic gambling addiction, should we be more forgiving of him in the sense that he didn't have flash cars, he wasn't taking world cruises, he wasn't eating in the best of restaurants, he was giving it to a bookies on Pembroke Street? Uh, yeah, that, that's... Paddy Power uh, got wealthy. You know? Yes, that's a mitigating circumstance, definitely. But to just um, not to jail is hard, right? So that, that that's 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 a big step forward. Now, if all the all the people that that called in earlier saying community work and something like that, people with addiction, especially gambling, they wouldn't learn anything from there. Nothing. Like, I, I, I know people personally who suffer from gambling addictions. This is not the way. You need to cut off their means. You need to monitor, monitor them and, and give them a chance of, of rehabilitation. Okay, okay. Um, not jail then, no? Jail is a bit harsh, but there's, if, if there is some sort of, and I, I don't know, but if there is some sort of a rehabilitation uh, procedure in Ireland that, um, that people can attend, while giving back to the community in in any way, um, I don't know. They can do com- community work. They can do uh, whatever. But if there if everything else fails, he should go to jail. Ultimately, he defrauded the states for I don't know how much money. If anybody else did that, regardless 527, of five hundred and twenty-seven thousand euro. Jesus Christ! Yeah. So like, if if anybody else did that. And you can put in a mitigating circumstances of addiction and everything. They will go to jail. 
Like if somebody was on heroin or any kind of drug and they defrauded the state to get money for their drugs, they would end up in jail. Well, not always. Sometimes there can be suspended sentences for, say, a guilty plea, cooperating with Gardaí, confessing to a crime, having an addiction. Um, maybe the subject of the, 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 the defendant might have been subject of abuse or a bad childhood or, you know, might have been to a, an institution run by the state where he was sexually molested or assaulted. All of these things are considered um, when handing down sentencing. Um, so there's no real hard and fast rule as to who will get a sentence and serve it or have it suspended is does that happen in Croatia that kind of a system um, like like we don't we don't have you know mandatory minimums or anything like that obviously each case like that is being looked upon individually and the the, the judge will uh, yeah, take so, into account so any similar. mitigating services yeah, yeah similar but it, but it, the like, system wouldn't allow it to happen for 33 years you're saying I, I like I, I can't with you know 100% certainty say that it wouldn't allow, but I think there are checks in place that that would catch that earlier. Okay, okay. I, I, I'm I'm fairly certain because um, Ireland is a very very socially aware country, and you you, you guys have all these programs, you know, family income supplement, um, you know, the job seekers allowance. There, there are forms of that in Croatia as well, but not at that. Level, right? I mean, uh, would the country Croatia wouldn't be as as generous, is it? Yeah, exactly. They're 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 much more strict about who can get money from the state state and why. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and and, and like, if you lose a job, obviously they'll support you for for a number of uh, you know months or something like that. But for thirty years, not not a chance in hell. What would happen after a period of time? He was thirty years claiming unemployment job seekers benefit. Would that be possible in Croatia? Uh, it is possible, but you have to have a very, very, very good reason why you cannot find a job. Okay. And okay. you, like, if a capable person, you know, that has no serious illnesses or of any form, if they cannot find a job for thirty years, how is that possible? Okay. Like, I moved, I moved to Ireland six and a half years ago. I had a CV and a couple of hundred euro in my in my back pocket. That's all. And I found a job within three weeks. I know what you're saying. I, 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 I'm not. I'm not college educated. I don't hold any fancy degrees. I got a job in three weeks. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I see what you're saying. Um, a lot of people are talking. I'm just reading some texts here as I'm chatting with you, uh, talking about suspended sentences. Not not everybody. Um, somebody says here, well, it's not really a deterrent, but I'm sure the learning is for the authorities to have a better internal communication system. That's the big lesson that should be learned here. It's kind of what you're saying as well, isn't it? 100%. Yeah. There should be more mechanisms in place to catch these kind of things early on in the process. And if you do okay. that, all this, all this, you know, uh, discussion on what's going to happen, it kind of becomes a moot point. Okay, thank you for that. Um, appreciate it. Donna Callan's 59 years old, which uh, just for the record mean that means that uh, his job seekers would have started at the age of uh, 29. Text 0868104106 on this one. Um, anyway, he got away with something and he kept getting away with it. It technically didn't hurt any individual per se. He's doing more time than someone who'd have assaulted people in all kinds of ways. While I wouldn't encourage it, I think he would be far better off doing community service as well as a means-tested repayment. 
how would you repay 570,000 euro? Um, he'll probably save the state a fortune now because they'll realise there's another few doing the same thing. He'll bring about change going forward for sure. Well, one would hope that there would be a root and branch review now to see how many other people potentially are doing this. But you also say in your text, it's not a signed text, it says um, it technically didn't hurt any any individual. Well, actually it hurt every single individual because it's taxpayers' money. Declan says, arguably his parents paid for their pension and technically they could still be alive. So I know he shouldn't have done it, but there are far worse crimes going on and nothing is being done about it. I think stating that he robbed the state of that much cash is over-exaggerated. <laughs> well, you can't over-exaggerate a fact, I suppose. Who ultimately pays, um, you know, benefits at the end of the day? It's tax receipts coming in. I wish they go after the TDs for all the money they claim for travel expenses and other benefits that they get. If he was a TD, it wouldn't have got to court He's just like the government with the brown envelope rip-offs, says Mary. Maxine says he was calculated, knew full well what he was doing, just like his father before him, and now his reward is a four-star breakaway where he'll get free education and free therapy for his addiction. This is a very attractive crime for anyone given a lenient sentence and punishment. The Irish law is a laughing stock once more, she says. And just two more. He deserves a lot more for what he did. That's a holy disgrace to pretend like he did and get away with it for 33 years. He should get a year for each year he played games with his mother and father's pensions, says Anita. A year for, yeah, a year for each year. Um, lack of guards, short and soft prison sentences. That's the problem. Bring back corporal punishment, national service for youngsters and hard labour in prisons. That will deter scum. Also in the UK in the 50s, borstals were run by ex-military. Youngsters these days are a nightmare. These scumbags need deterrent. So that's not anything to do with Donna Callahan. That is more to do with crime and punishment in this country of people who break the law and hurt other people physically in all sorts of different ways. Mind you, uh, the 1950s, whether it was in the UK or Ireland, is nothing to look back uh, at proudly or, you know, don't look back at the 50s through rose-tinted glasses because you see what went on in institutions in Ireland where young people were put in there and what happened to them at the hands of adults. Uh, Meanwhile, Dan, good morning. Morning. Okay, your thoughts on all of this. You you have your own story to share as well, so go ahead. Yeah, going back there a few years ago, um, I was working in a bar and I was on my X's and O's in social welfare. X's and O's, what's that? Uh, Basically, when you're only doing part-time work, you can get paid for the rest of the week. Like I was only working Friday night and Saturday night. So that's not it, that's not going to keep me going for the rest of the week so I need the money from social welfare so an X is a day you worked and maybe an O is a day you didn't work or something like that is it? yeah something yeah. like that yeah, I can't okay. remember which is which but something yeah. like that yeah Yeah. Um, I moved away for a couple of years moved, went, left, left the country came back and I got a letter went back to social welfare saying back in the country want to go back on social welfare they said oh by the way you owe us nearly four and a half thousand euros my god that must have come as a shock did it? oh yeah especially when I didn't have a penny to my name at that stage why did they say you owed four and a half grand? How long ago was that? Um, nearly ten years ago. Okay, so ten years ago they had checks and balances to say that you owed them four and a half grand. Why did you yeah. owe it, did they say? Uh, they said they overpaid me. That was their words, that they made a mistake. They overpaid me. So That's their problem though, isn't it? That's their problem. That's what I said, but unfortunately they're, they're taking money off me every week without me, without me even getting it. So their mistake has impacted on you. Yeah. It's not as if you and got it fraudulently or knew about it and didn't tell them. Nothing like that. 
No, no, no. I was like I said, I was only working ten hours a week, so I'm not. I wasn't making massive amount of money, and at the time I was getting my one ninety something off them, and. They turned around to me and said, oh, we overpaid you. We, sh- we shouldn't have been paid you for the days you were working. And did, were they, did they prove it? Well, they said they had proof of it, but they didn't show me any proof. Okay, you didn't ask them to say, okay, well, show me how you did it. Show me your mistake, no? Well, oh, that's the just I asked them. Can, can you say that you made a mistake? Oh, no, we can't do that in the system already. Okay, so how did they take the money back from you? Well, at the moment, they're only paying me one ninety-seven a week, and I have a young family at the moment, and I have to pay them back five euros every week. A five for a week, so that would take the, your whole life to pay back. <laughs> Pretty much twenty odd years. But before I, I agreed to them, before I went into them and kind of caused war, they were taking fifty euros out of my money before they even gave it to me. Oh, they wanted it to be fifty a week, did they? 50 euros a week and I went in to him and I said, look, I can only pay you two euros a week and arguing uh, back and forth and we came to a settlement in five euros a week. Okay, gotcha. I know people listening to this will wonder, um, is there any chance of working, getting a job? Like I said, I have a young family at the moment. All my partner, she's working, so I'm the stay-at-home dad. Oh, well, there you go. That'll do it. Well, good yeah. luck with that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, when it's somebody else's mistake, you have to pay for it. You innocently got it, innocently spent it. And uh, thank God it's only a fiver, though, because 50 a week would be a head wreck. Well, they wanted to take 50 euros off me, or they said they were going to go with legal charges. Oh, did they threaten you with court? They did? They, they threatened me with legal charges of theft. Hang on a second. Nobody in welfare used the word theft. That's their words. They can't accuse you of theft. That's defamation. Yeah, I I know my law. And I said, I told them, they kind of panicked straight away and got a supervisor up to me that they would overpay me. They said that I knew of the overpayment and that it was was theft. It wasn't. Nobody typed the word theft, though. They said it to you over a counter, was it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like they said, they made a mistake. I said, can I get that in writing? Oh, no, we can't do that. We can't do that. We can't give you anything in writing. It's like, you just made it. You made a mistake that I had to pay back. You, weren't, you, you were not a thief. No, 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 no. And, for certain, and you're honestly saying that somebody called you a thief? Yep. So that's pure thick. I mean, you can't call someone a thief who got money not knowing that it was a couple of bob too much. So that's that's not, the Irish government not, for you. That's not thievery. No, I mean, like, that's... That's that's an assault on your character, like trying to make you out to be a, a criminal. Definition of character. But if I went further with it, then they say like, "Oh, where's your proof?" Yeah, well, it was it was verbal. I know, always going to win. I know, I know, I know. All right, my man. Thanks, Dan, the man. Appreciate it. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone. New phone number 0818104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Why did the bookies not get in touch with him earlier on saying that they were never going to take any more bets from him because he clearly had a gambling problem? Why did it take, take all of those years for the bookies to eventually, actually, they didn't send the letter until he was arrested on charges and then the letter went out saying they could no longer accept his bets. But why did it take so long? I mean, surely the bookies had some kind of a system to see that he was in there every single day, apparently. Certainly Monday to Friday, I don't know about the weekends, but certainly from midday to six o'clock every day. Surely alarm bells should have gone off much faster with bookies saying, this guy's got a problem. We're actually taking way too much money from him. He's spending huge amounts of money. It took all of those years after arrest before the letter went out. Morning, Neil. I know Don well. There's a lot more than him on the make. Get on to what really counts, the banks and what they did, the bailouts, Anglo-Irish, the government bonds. It goes on. Why is it that white-collar crime never sees 
the inside of a courtroom. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. And here's a selection. Busy this morning on this topic. A lot of compassion, actually. If I were to say, you know, um, say the, the weight of text coming in, there's an awful lot more people are unhappy with the prison sentence. An awful lot more people are unhappy with the prison sentence than anybody saying that it was too short. I have to agree. I don't think prison is the right place for him. If he has an addiction, he needs help. Someone uh, in the social welfare should be held accountable for this. I'm also on carer's leave for two years, but it's out next year and I won't get a penny for staying at home with my son because my husband earns too much. When the bills are paid, we don't have much left. Uh, The whole system is flawed. It's not centralised for when a death occurs. You have to ring or write to loads of government bodies. You must contact the county or city hall to have someone deregistered from the voting system, as an example. And this is only updated once a year. You've all these different systems and none is talking to the other. That certainly was even an awful lot worse 33 years ago when there was no computer systems. Systems broken. He was 30 years on job seekers. However, I can't get carer's allowance for my daughter who needs 24-7 care because my husband earns, in inverted commas, too much. We barely keep a roof over our heads or the lights on. I don't agree with prison. He should have been made work for the elderly and only get a small wage to look after himself. The rest should be paid back into the state from his false claims. Uh, What about the bookies, Neil, who only got official when he couldn't bet anymore? They took his money every single day, year in, year out. Why weren't questions asked sooner? Morning, along with the half a million he's taken from the taxpayer, how much of it is going to cost us to keep him in jail? They say 80 grand a year it costs the taxpayer to keep one person, each single person, in jail in the Irish penal system. 80 grand. Uh, Neil, uh, good for Don. There's a lot lot worse going on. If he didn't take it, we certainly wouldn't have seen it uh, from our government. The government would have flittered away half a million, says Susan. Okay, interesting. Scamming the system is always wrong, but years ago the bankers bankrupted this country. None were ever reprimanded. Uh, another one here. The man should be doing community work and paying back. No jail. The man needs help, says Michael. And two or three more for you. My mother died a few months ago. Uh, I was her full-time carer. I received a letter three weeks after her death stating the date I would be cut off from carer's allowance. I had to post back her wheelchair parking pass. I had to post back her free travel pass, which I never used. Her pension was stopped immediately. Only right, incidentally. I can't understand how he could have claimed for 30 odd years. Maybe the system has changed since. Well, the only reason that the whole thing came to light with regards to Don O'Callaghan, um, uh, and he's paying a high price for it, not just a prison sentence, but even people talking about him as we are. Um, mind you, I think he, he might take some consolation from the amount of compassion that people have. But the only reason that this actually um, came a cropper was uh, he said that when he was contacted, yes, that his, his dad would take the president's check. It's about 3,300, 3,400 euro. And that's why they got in touch. If he, had, if he had said no and just written, wrote back and says, no, my dad has declined, it probably would have continued and continued and continued. So to some extent, it was a bit agreed at the end of the day that he came a cropper. Uh, all of the people saying he should have got away with it are the same idiots complaining that their taxes are too high. People like him as part of the reasons that our taxes are actually too high in the first place. Looking at comments that you have online, it's all the unemployed scroungers supporting this thief. How the heck can you make out from somebody um, texting an opinion that they're firstly unemployed or secondly unemployed scroungers? 
It's a lot of people on benefits who need benefits. Not everybody that's on benefits is a scrounger. In fact, the vast, vast, vast majority of them are not. Nothing like it. You're asking why the bookies didn't cop on to the fact that he was in there every day. The barmen don't do anything about people that go into the pub every day. That clearly, to the bar person knowing that they have a drink problem. Yeah, I know. Um, it's 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 interesting as to you know it's, it, the booking the bookies is very interesting because again in that case and in the case of the chap back in two thousand and fourteen who robbed his employers of over half a million. Um, you, you know, it gives a perfect example of somebody who's constantly chasing losses in the bookies where. They keep on betting, hoping, hoping, hoping that they'll get the big win and wipe out all of their losses. But we all know at the end of the day that the longer that you gamble, the more you lose. You'll have the good days, but unfortunately, they're far outweighed by the bad days. Anyway, we'll pick it up after 11. Pick up the phone 0818104106. New year, new number for Neil. 0818104106. Right, keep all of those texts coming and we will return to them again, if not today, certainly tomorrow, because I like jumping back to stories that we've been dealing with on the air. Um, there's a very interesting one here because it was critical of uh, so many people going away on St. Patrick's Day trips. So thank you to the texter who sent this in. I actually put the point to Michael McGrath last week. I'm sick of hearing about these St. Patrick's Day junkets. Uh, when you interviewed Brian O'Donovan, the RT correspondent last year, he said that even if people don't like these junkets, they are so important to Ireland as a country for business and tourism, especially the American trips. I honestly think we are just a nation of moaners now. If the Taoiseach or the government didn't meet anyone and didn't engage with other world leaders or representatives from other countries, people would be moaning that we're closing ourselves off from the world. We're a tiny nation and could easily get trampled on by bigger nations. We need to put ourselves out there. Yes, I do believe government representatives should take pay cuts, but God, people are never happy. I'm happily going to take the 200 euro energy payment, incidentally. We aren't poor, but we aren't well off. So every little bit of help is greatly appreciated. So thank you for that text. It dealt with two different topics that it was talking about at the same time. And I appreciate that. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. And I'll come back to that in a lot more besides. Because I just update, if you don't mind, just go to calls in a second. But I just want to update on Laura, who was on the air with us yesterday morning and has a GoFundMe um, active at the moment, trying to raise, yeah, I just, yeah, just give me the bits on her if you don't mind, trying to raise 90,000 euro to get um, treatment, uh, a drug that will prolong her life. Um, and yesterday morning, we were chatting with her on the air about this. And it was standing at 31,000. Within 24 hours, that is over doubled. It now stands at 64,898 euros. So it's at 65,000 euro now on GoFundMe. She just wants to live for her family, her children and herself. And she has a lot of living to do. She's only in her early 50s. So this cancer is very aggressive. There is a particular drug that she can get that will help. Um, and buy time, hopefully lots of time. Uh, but the cost for six months of the treatment is €90,000. And because it's not licensed, and um, even if it were, I suppose, in this country, they'd, brought, they'd, they'd put hoops in front of you, obstacles in front of you. So she has to get it privately. That's the reason for the GoFundMe. And I'd encourage you to share her story. We have it up on, I think it should be up on our Facebook and our Twitter and social media channels still. But if you want to divvy up a couple of bob, then on GoFundMe, it's support Laura Swan's wish to live longer. Support Laura Swan's wish to live longer. So we need to get that to 90,000 euro 
for six months treatment. This is life saving, life lengthening. Um, such a sad story yesterday. But at the same time, a very brave, very courageous, very strong mother and woman in her own right. Listening to your caller, Laura, speaking about her diagnosis of bile duct cancer. Firstly, I would like to congratulate her on her strength. I lost my mum to the same diagnosis in July, which is still very raw. What I can't get my head around is that this trial drug isn't available to Laura, as it's not yet approved. Yet this is the only option now available for Laura. During mum's battle with this awful disease, I have learnt of unapproved, unlicensed drugs that are often used in cancer patients. My mum was given fentanyl, which is a very strong controlled opiate. Uh, This was prescribed for post-operative surgery pain. This drug is approved and licensed for use in Ireland, but on a review of a possible fentanyl toxicity, a reduction in strength was warranted. My mum was on the lowest dose available in Ireland, so I was instructed to cut this patch in half. It was only in my investigation into another issue that I found out it is unlicensed and unapproved for use to cut these patches. This information was confirmed by my mum's pharmacist and the manufacturer on their information sheets. Palliative care also use unapproved and unlicensed drugs if the benefits outweigh the risks. Ireland is so far behind of the rest of the world with this relatively rare cancer diagnosis and they need to catch up and start providing help and assistance with medical bills for drugs that may help provide a longer prognosis. Best of luck to Laura on her journey with this. I'll be thinking of you and your family and a donation is on the way to you. Yes, like many other people who have donated and I can't say that all of them were cork but you can be damn sure that the vast majority of them were. So fair play to every single one of you. Text 0868104106. we got calls on the way. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Welcome back to mask issues in schools and on public transport later on. But you may have heard yesterday Jamie O'Hara's powerful report uh, on the Red FM uh, news. Um, and he carried the report yesterday speaking with the families of residents who died from COVID at, at nursing homes. Uh, these are Leaside stories. Uh, there's a call now for a public inquiry into the deaths of residents who died from COVID-19 at a Cork nursing home. And the families of the residents who died from COVID at the home in Cork are calling on Hall Martin and the health minister to meet them now so they can tell them firsthand how difficult life has been since losing their loved ones during the third wave. We're talking about the COVID wave of last year. And stories that were shared were Christine Brohan's story, Pat Coyle's story, saying they won't have peace until... There's a public inquiry into what happened at the nursing homes across the country. Um, And God knows we had many stories on this program from people uh, who were absolutely heartbroken up to um, and after the death of a loved one. I mean, I had just harrowing stories of people looking through windows. There was one gentleman on the air that I'll never forget where he and the family were looking in the window of their uh, mother's nursing home bedroom and uh, watched her pass away and had to go round to the front door to tell reception their mother had died in her room. I, I just couldn't get my head around that. I'm joined by phone by Pat Coyle. Pat, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. And How are you? And we, haven't, we haven't spoken before, Pat, so thank you for, for coming on air. Um, you're one of those that wants an inquiry. Um, tell, us, tell us your story. Tell us about Veronica. Yeah, Veronica was a resident in Ballino Nursing Home. Mm. She had Alzheimer's and no mobility and she couldn't communicate now we got, she tested negative for the first couple of tests 
and on one of the tests on the 24th of January, she tested negative. She was moved out of her room and she was in for four years. Then the following week, she was tested again. She tested positive. What do you mean she was moved out of her room, Pat? She was moved out on the 24th of January because she test, tested negative. Now, at that stage, we didn't know for nine days later that she was actually moved out of her room because no one contacted us. To a different room, is it? To a different room in a different location in the home. Yeah, yeah. There, there was no. some talk back in the day of um, a particular nursing home that had people still in the communal area together in the lounge area. Is that what you're referring to now? No, that was earlier in the month in January. Okay. There was two residents in that home showing symptoms of COVID. They were tested, but while they were waiting for the test to come back, they were allowed to mix in the, the day room. The, the day room, okay. With other residents. Okay. Which was against the guidelines at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. Sorry for interrupting. Go ahead. And uh, eventually those two residents did test positive and from my understanding they were moved to a location upstairs to isolate. Mm. Then when I did find out Veronica was moved, this was she was moved on the 24th of January. She tested positive on the 31st of January. I got a phone call informing me about that. Then trying to get through to the home that Sunday, we couldn't get through. I rang Monday morning, was told that a nurse would contact me. I rang again about an hour and a half later, still hadn't got a call, the nurse would contact me. So I went out to, room, out to the home at half two, looking to speak to a person in charge. I rang the bell and I was brought into the reception hall. And that was against COVID regulations at the time. So I was standing in the hall for a few minutes waiting for the person on the desk to finish what she was doing. Then I went over told her why I was in and she realised I shouldn't have been in the building so we went outside to finish the conversation. Yeah. Told her I couldn't get an update since yesterday and she informed me that the person in charge was making calls and I would get a call that afternoon. So I had a letter with me for that person just to explain that we weren't getting updates and I was concerned, the children were concerned, Franz's sisters and friends were concerned. And of course you I, couldn't you couldn't necessarily directly communicate with Veronica, she couldn't. No. no. Well at that stage I assume she was in room two, but she was somewhere else, even if I could have went to room two. She wouldn't have she been wouldn't there. She wouldn't have been there. Yeah. yeah. So I was grand She vaccinated? She was vaccinated on Friday twenty second of January. Uh, they all were in the home. At that stage they got the first vaccination. So by half five, I hadn't received a call. Phoned again, got through to reception, the call was answered. And it just happened, the person in charge was passing as I was talking to the girl. She told her who I was, who I was inquiring about, and the call was put through to her office. She came online and gave me an update. And at the end of the update, she told me that she herself had taken Veronica for a walk around the hallways in the home and that she was grand. So I informed her that she couldn't have taken Franica for a walk around the hallways and home because Franica couldn't walk. And it was at that stage realized I got an update on another resident. The wrong resident. Yeah. The wrong resident. So she got Franica's file, gave me the update. 
and then when she was finished that, she informed me Franny was moved out of her room, which I didn't know about. But you did know that she had the virus. You did know that. I did know she had yeah. the virus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I says, uh, "What do you mean she was moved out of her room? When was she moved? And where was she moved to?" I was told she was moved to an upstairs location. And she said to me, we'll keep you updated, phone any time, take care, and hung up. Now, it was weeks later that I actually found out where Franica was moved to, what room she was moved to. But uh, trying to get information on updates was nearly impossible. We kept ringing back after that, trying to get someone on the phone to get more information on that. Phones weren't answered. We rang all day Tuesday. Phones weren't answered. When did you know that her condition had turned critical? At what stage was that? I was on the Friday night, Friday the 5th of February. And you came in then on the Sunday, is it, to visit? No, we got a phone call Friday night, about half twelve, and advising us to come in for a final visit. Did you know it? Had you known before that phone call that things things weren't good? No. Oh, that That came as a shock then, yeah. Because we got an update at half five that afternoon saying she was grand, was on a little bit of oxygen, but her signs were good, etc. Same kind of update we were getting all week, and all our families at the time were getting similar updates. That was at five, and when did you get the call saying come in, things are? 12.30, Friday night. So we went in, myself and the three children, we went in two at a time. We got 15 minutes each with all the PPE gear on, and we came away. And Franica survived the night, so we kept ringing Saturday morning looking for updates. And about one o'clock I rang again, and it was answered by senior management. She gave me an update on Franica, asked me would I like to come in. I said, yeah, we want to come in. And while I had her on the phone, I said, look, we're coming out there. I'd like each of my children to go in on their own time with their mother, then I'd go in, as opposed to 15 minutes between us. And she said, that won't be a problem. So we went out there, and we got all that time. Children got about 40 minutes each. I got maybe an hour and a half. And I was leaving. I was informed by the person in charge not to forget that I only got 15 minutes. Yeah, I know. So that's... that's con- complete contrast to what other families got. Some families didn't even get in. I know. I Some know. families weren't even informed. Their loved one had COVID until they got a phone call to say they died. So there's a fierce contrast between what some people were getting mm. and told and what other people were not getting and being you, not told. You were saying that um, you said your final goodbyes to your wife, which must have been heartbreaking. Um, yeah, we got back in again Sunday night. I rang up about 8 o'clock, maybe just before it, and the nurse I talked to, she told me it wasn't looking good at that stage, no. And she asked us to come out, so we went out. And we got in two at a time for about half an hour, 40 minutes between us each. And we left. Frank was still alive at that stage, and then I got a phone call at half seven the next morning. They said that Frank had died. Now, we believe she probably died during the night, which was only discovered at half seven with the changeover. And I believe a lot of residents would have died the same way, died on their own during died the night. Died alone, 
during the night. And only discovered when the changeover was. And why was it in a room with no personal effects and no family photos, which were all taken yeah, down? Yeah, everything that, was at this stage no, now. After she had passed away, every, all the personal effects were taken out, is it? No, no. On the so was empty, she was put back into an empty shell of a room. Yeah, she was put back into her original room on the Thursday before she died. We got in the Friday night and there was literally nothing in the room. And you, be- you rightly believe that she should have been surrounded by the things that she loved. Yeah, family she had some of it there. Neil. And uh, we built up that home first since she went in because we knew Fran wasn't coming home. Yeah. And that's where she would die. And at that stage, the pandemic wasn't even on the horizon. So we always hoped that we'd be there with her. And it never happened. But for her to die that way, and all the residents died the same way. They died in empty rooms with nothing around them and no one with them. Your wife died in an empty room all alone. Yes, yeah. um, I, 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 I do know um, that others, of course, watched their loved ones die through, um, you know, looking through from the grounds, the window into the room. Yeah, like that family now. We'll actually, I think we're actually talking to Christine in a minute. She can tell you about it. That was her family. I know. I but know. the fact that they got no time in with their mother, yet we got all that time. And there's all the families didn't even see their loved ones. I know. I know. It was there were and, nursing homes were in crisis, you know, including including Ballyno, um, and they, they were overwhelmed. I think. Do you, would I, you accept that? I no, I I don't to be honest with you because. That nursing home was well managed. Infection control was very good in it. Then there was a change of management in December. Oh, I recall that. Yeah, there was a change of management in December. Yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah. But you could also say that COVID raged more. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't. I don't. No, I to, feel. Yeah. I feel that there was some drop in the infection prevention control standards because this was highlighted. Well, moving, moving, moving. Yeah, moving residents who showed signs of COVID and were waiting for results of a test into the yeah. day room was a big mistake. It was, yeah. There was a lot. I'd say there's a lot to be looked at. Like, on the Tuesday, on the Monday, as I told you, there, when I got the update and I got the wrong information on a resident, yeah. I phoned the doctor Tuesday morning because I couldn't trust even the account of Franica's condition that I did get. And when I talked to him the next morning, he told me Fran was gone. She was one of the better ones. And I raised the fact that she was moved from her room. And he told me it didn't really matter where she was in the home, as it was all over the place. <sighs> all the staff were out since Sunday. Yeah, I between the 1st of February and the 11th of February, uh, 21 residents passed away in, 21 in residents a 10-day period. Passed away. Yeah, that's enough. For, like awful. There was 24 deaths in total. Yeah. And Bali know from COVID. I know. I know. And 21 of them in 11 days. That's very excessive. Will that inquiry drill into the change in management and the possible change in protocols, do you think? Oh, I would need to look into everything. Okay. Yes, I agree. Everything should be locked into. Okay. okay. Because the fact that the whistleblowers have come out with stuff since that has been very upsetting for families. Oh, listen, we've really. heard some terrible, terrible stories. Yeah. Really and awful. The yeah. fact. The Tuesday that Gail rang or contacted the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, and the HSE, we weren't aware that things were so bad in the home. We actually got an email that day. 
telling us they were grand, everything was going well, they had PPE, plenty of that. But apparently the place was in chaos. If you go by backyards, cry for help to yeah. save residents' lives. Yeah, I know. Now, the HSE didn't send anyone in. Their response was to email Valino. They emailed them back. We look into these issues. Everything will be grand. I believe, and other families believe, that if people physically had went into that home on the Tuesday from the HSE on Tuesday, second of February, some lives could have been saved. Some of the people that died would have lived beyond that COVID outbreak. That's so sad. Pat, thank you for sharing the story. You are right. I will talk to Christine in a few minutes' time, but thank you for sharing your story and Veronica's as well. Appreciate it. That's great. Thanks for giving us the time to get it out there. More than welcome. Back after the break. Calling Red FM Studio? Call the new number. 0818-104-106. Christine is one of those individuals who literally looked through the window as her mother took her last breaths and passed away, she joins me by phone. Christine, good morning. Morning, Neil. And morning. I, know, I know you're amongst the families who won't have peace of mind until there's an inquiry into what happened at nursing homes across the entire country. We're talking about the particularly the very bad wave of January last year, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. None of us will will have peace until we find out exactly what went wrong, when, what went so badly wrong for all the families. Yeah. And Kathleen was happy out in there from 2018, I believe. Am I right? Absolutely. She was the happiest she's ever been, really. Like, she, even despite her dementia, she was always very happy in herself, you know, very, always tried to communicate as best she could, you know. She'd always be singing and, yeah. you know, she'd always be waving and she'd put out her hands trying to, just looking for affection all the time, really. But when the new management came in December, um, like that, during the lockdown, we used to get practically an email every single night from the former director of nursing just to, you know, keep us updated on on our loved one's well-being. And, and did, you know, every, it, it, did every resident's families get the same emails? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, in in oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Great, great peace of when, mind for you. It was, it was, but when December came then and the, the change in management came in, everything, everything changed. There was very, you know, lack of communication and, you know, obviously with the visiting restrictions, it was, it could be window visits for, you know, a while, then you might get a half an hour a week, but, you know, half an hour a week isn't enough, you know, to see your loved one. But, you know, we weren't we weren't being contacted, you know, by the new director of nursing to give us any more information, really. Um, Would you think that was because they were overwhelmed that COVID was rampant in there? Well, like it wasn't rampant until we say the end of January. No, like the way I'm looking at it, we were a year into the pandemic and like they didn't learn from the previous Waves. Outbreak the nursing homes, you know, like, in, as you said, pre- previous waves. But, like, it's just a lack of communication. Like, I found out by accident my mum had COVID. I never got the phone call to say that my mum had COVID. I, like, there, there was visiting, the visiting was suspended the week before my mum died. I was after seeing her on the 21st of January, the day before that she was being vaccinated. So, obviously... You know, we we thought it was going to everything was going to be fine, but obviously that week the visiting was suspended because there was a few cases of COVID in the nursing home at the time. Mm. But I knew that 
that Friday, the following Friday, that they would be tested and the results would be in on the Sunday, which would have been the 31st of January. And that day, all that day, Sunday, I had my phone just absolutely glued just in case I'd get a phone call to say that, you know, that she was positive. Um, you, had, you ended up having to call yourself, didn't you? I did. I rang myself, we'd say it could have been half six, seven-ish that Sunday evening and I was just inquiring in general because I presumed because I got no phone call that she was she was fine, you know? So I rang just inquiring and there was a stranger came on the phone and I just said, I'm inquiring about my mum, Kathleen Thompson. I said, you know, just how is she doing? Because I haven't seen her yeah, all week. Did she get her and, results and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and... His response to me was, um, oh, she's had a very bad night, she's on oxygen. So, I, first first of all, I actually thought he was talking about, that he got her mixed up, that he was talking about somebody else. So, I said, no, I said, I'm ringing about Kathleen Thompson. And he said, yeah, yeah. And I said, what do you mean she's on oxygen? And about, what do you mean? Oh, she has COVID. And that was how I found out she had COVID. And, obviously, in a state of panic, I... I, you know, I was asking him to get, you know, get me somebody to speak to, get me a nurse, get me somebody to speak to. I need to find out what way she is. And all I got back was, um, uh, we're very busy because 49 out of 50 residents are positive uh, ring back in the morning. 49 out of 50. I never heard that number before. That's what, that's what I was told on the phone. Yeah. 49 out of 50 were seemingly positive. So ring back the following morning. So obviously after a sleepless night and contacted the rest of the family my brothers my sister told him what was happening and we'll have to wait till the following morning to see so I tried ringing all the following day and uh, obviously there was a stranger on reception did because he about, told us did you think of going out at all or anything like that you see I did Neil but you see at that stage I still didn't realise how bad it was okay you know I, I don't know I just I was I, I suppose in the back of my mind I was hoping that wasn't as bad as I was thinking it was, you know. And but after numerous phone calls saying that they the receptionist said that look they'll get back to you when they when they get a chance and whatever. So I got a phone call in that evening, with that Sunday evening boat. Quarter to eight. It could have been well. The first one would have been early. The first one could have been about seven-ish. That kind of way, quarter past seven, and they said. Um, Christine, keep your phone on. Yeah, she's not doing too well. So I asked, I said, please, can I come out? You know, I need, I need to be with her. Um, is she, you know, is she really bad? And all I'll, all I'll tell you is keep your phone on. And I, I just didn't know what to do. So I said, you know, I need to be with her. I need to be, I, and I, the question I asked her is, my, am I looking at my mum dying? Is my mum dying? And they said, just keep your phone on. And that was it. So obviously in a panic, I rang the rest of the family. And with that, my brother and his wife came in to me. John. Uh, John and Mary they drove in to me from White Church. And obviously we were all in state. So I was after ringing my other brother and my sister as well to you know, tell them what was going on. So then I got the second phone call while my brother and his wife were there saying, um, you need to come out. So I said... Uh, panicked so just trying to gather stuff together you know get my daughter looked after by the husband you know before we'd go out the door and as I was upstairs getting you know telling my husband what was happening my phone rang again and my sister and I picked it up 
and she just I could just heard her saying okay so I ran down the stairs I was saying well who was that and she said um, they said bring an umbrella right and bring an umbrella yeah so now the same night Neil was it was actually storm conditions it was just torrential wind and rain and so I would like even when we got out there, we drove out there. I rang my my sister. They, she was getting her family together to follow us out. My brother, my other brother, we collected him on the way. But when we got out there first, and I ran up to the front door, and I was expecting somebody to come out and meet me because we were after getting the phone call to actually come out. But the people that came to the front door didn't even know why we were there. Like they were looking at each other, saying, "Who are these people?" and you know, I was trying to explain to him, I got the phone call, my mum isn't well, Kathleen Thompson, we need to be with her. And they were talking among themselves for a couple of minutes and then this other person came out and said, go around the back. So I, uh, we were looking and I was, go around the back. And he said, yeah, yeah, go around the back. And he pointed to the gates, go around the back. So we went around the back and all we could see was just all the windows and all the rooms down the back of the, the nursing home where all the blinds were pulled. There was no light. We were standing in the dark for a good 10 minutes. Nobody came out to meet us. So my brother had to go back out the front. Okay, so this says now you're waiting at least quarter of We didn't know where my mum was. In the pouring rain, all the curtains yeah. were pulled. Yeah. You're under umbrellas, yeah. We didn't even know which room she was in. I was trying to I remember looking in, trying to, trying to look through the sides of the windows. Yeah you know, through the blinds to see, could we see her? You know, we didn't know. But my brother went around the front and got into, you know, said to somebody in reception, you know, we're out the back, what's going on? You know, is somebody coming out? So this person came out to me then after that and all he said was, um, I'm sorry. And my other brother asked him, please let Christine in, please let her in, just just one person. And he, he just said, no, I can't, and locked the door. And then he opened the curtains of the room and... Um, my mum my mom then was just laying in the bed and that was it for two hours. We were just outside on our own and nobody went into the room to her and nobody even checked on her and I kept asking my family, why is nobody going in? Why is nobody checking on her? Why? And I could see her trying to lick her lips as if she was thirsty and there was um, nobody went near her. There was one person who came down the corridor twice stood outside her door, looked at us through the window and walked back up the corridor, never entered her room, never looked at her. And we were left there for over two hours to, to watch her dying. And when she did eventually pass away that we could barely make out, we had to go, my brother had to go back around her front again to contact someone because there was nobody there with her, you know, to check. You were so near, but yet so far... It was horrific, Neil. Horrific. In the torrential rain. So you probably couldn't even see properly through the glass anyway. You know, like, I could see her, but I was trying to concentrate on her breathing. I was trying to concentrate on how how long, you know, was it, was she getting slower? And we could, we could make it out towards the end as she was. And eventually I just said, I think she's gone. And... We were standing there for a few minutes and we said, we think she's gone, yeah. So my brother went out and um, contacted somebody in reception. So the director of nursing went down to the room, checked her, pulled the curtains and 
more or less just put put her hand up and kind of nodded, yeah, she she's gone, whatever. And um, we stayed with her for about another well outside the window for another. We say it could have been another ten fifteen minutes that kind of way. Um, then we went around the front before we went home to. You know, to just decide what happens next. You know, what 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 do we do now? What happens next? So we were talking to the director of nursing for another while. But my brother then, John, he went back around the back because he said he was after leaving the umbrella below. But he went he went back down and he stayed outside the window with her for another. He said it could have been ten minutes, and still nobody went in for her. She was still on her own with the curtain still pulled back, and she's still lying there on her own, dead. So that's the image that is just going to haunt me and the rest of my family for the rest of our lives. And I, this is only one story, Neil. I mean, there's other families that, like Pat's story, you heard Pat's story. Like, I know of other families that they just got the phone call that their, their loved one was after dying mm. and never got any more and closed coffin and met them at the, the church. You know, I mean, yeah, was, yeah. nothing. Your mams, your mams would have been Kathleen's would have been a closed coffin, would it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what, what's? I mean, it's horrific hearing you. I can, I can just feel your pain. Um, it's a year if, on if, Neil, and it's not if, getting any easier. That's why we need an inquiry was, to someone, what went on. You know, you couldn't be in the room. I'm, I'm not so sure what could be done about that but somebody could have been holding her hand right exactly I, I'm saying that all the time or like I'm okay like I'm devastated that we didn't get in but then you know there was other families after us did get in which I'm happy for them but why were we different you know and why didn't we why weren't one of us allowed in when other families I know were allowed a few a bit of time you know it, it's just everything just seemed as Pat said a while ago, it was a chaos, you know, they, it just wasn't managed properly and especially with no compassion as well, you know, it's under the circumstances. There's not a whole lot of compassion in a response like bring an umbrella now, is there? No, no, because that's, that's, that's the whole thing of bring the umbrellas that they knew where we were going to be standing, you know, that we weren't going to be allowed in, that they knew the conditions that night and they knew that we were going to be standing outside the window, so they had no intention of leaving at least one of us in. But I, what I keep saying is, even if there was one person, member of staff, went in and held her hand, even if it was only for five minutes, just to let her know that there was somebody there, but there wasn't, and that's, that's the killer. That's, that's, that's the killer. It's just horrific. Looking at a beautiful um, photograph of her, actually, Kathleen, and you're outside the window with Sarah, and uh, yeah. your mum is smiling out at you. You're laughing. Yeah, back that's definitely. She was always smiling. She was always happy. Just oh, and got, you know, she just didn't deserve the end she did get. You know, she loved company. She loved people around her, and you see, that's the hardest thing for us to cope with. That is that she, for somebody who loved people around her, she just died alone. You know, she did, and but for you as family, outside the glass and the pouring rain and your mother taking less and less breaths and eventually none at all, it's just heartbreaking. It's just it awful. is, it is, and it's it's that's that's why we need an inquiry. Like I mean we need we need me Hall Martin to sit down with, with families, meet with families, hear like not only my story or Pat's story, there's there's nursing homes all over the country 
and families in Bali know that, that, you know, they have similar horrific stories and he needs to hear what has gone so wrong, you know, and... It's harrowing. To, to improve harrowing. things for the future, yeah. you know, I mean, you, you wouldn't want anybody to go through something like that. Like a staff member, just to, just to be there, you know, you're, you're outside the glass, that's harrowing enough, but that somebody would be there as we take our last breath and leave the leave our life. Exactly, you know? exactly. And that's all we wanted at the end. When we, like, you know, we refused to be allowed in. I know, and it, I know. You know, I could have kicked and screamed, but, you know, it was it was shock took over as well because it was everything happened so fast. And it was it was afterwards I was thinking, why didn't I... Why didn't I fight more? Why didn't I well, you did. scream? Why didn't I... Um, I just accepted it and I... Like, I apologise to my mum every single day. Do you? I do. What do you I say? Do. I apologise. Because I'm so sorry for not being able to be with her. You, you know? It. You tried I mean, everything. You, you were begging to be left in. You did everything. I know, but it doesn't make it any easier, Neil. It really doesn't. But she she like, knows that... I mean, she knows you did yeah, everything you but, could. I mean, you were hours but, outside the window. Hours. I know, but breath. it's... It's just that we need we need some answers because, as I said, like my mum's last week is a blank. We know nothing. I don't know. I know she was moved, and I I don't know what condition she was in when she was being moved. Was she sick? Was she upset? Was she in pain? We know nothing about her last week. And there are these. Was that around the time when she may have been spending time in the day room? Yeah, yeah. You see, because like like. I, I presumed that she was being kept in her room, isolated, because she was negative. She tested negative the week before. So I presumed that she was, with the COVID being in the nursing yes. home, that she was being kept in her room. But then I, I found out that she was moved at least twice. So I'm, I, these are questions. Why was she that's, moved no, if she was negative? That's, that's, fundamental. that's fundamental to answering your, your questions, you know? Yeah, or yeah. To, or at least to giving you some peace of mind. You'll never get total peace of mind and I suppose really you got to try and think of her life and the happiness that she brought you and everything but like somebody's passing is important and you were denied that so questions you're right to be looking for questions to be answered absolutely exactly and, and, and why I wasn't contacted why like yeah. I wasn't told she had COVID in the first place you know I mean like I got an email the night after she died saying that they'll keep me updated on her well-being like she was after dying you know, I mean... I mean, on her well-being and, and the, the type of email you'd send somebody if their loved one was alive? Yeah, it was, it was like, sent, like, to all the families, I'd say, you know? But oh, I was one of the no. families, but, you know, saying, yeah, but it n- never even bothered to check that, you know... God. Kathleen Thompson passed away the day before, like, you know, but take her out of the, you know, the... The emails the to, to the families, but like it was, I still got it. And I mean, my mum was after dying the night before, and closed so coffins, closed coffins were well. very, very, very sad, weren't they? Because there was also that element of kind of denial, wasn't there? Sure, like how do I know my mum is in there? I haven't seen. You see, her. this is it. So, you see, this is it. You know. I, I'm questioning, and I know there's other families questioning as well. And I know now people might say. Look, you do know it's your mum, but I do question if, if that's my mum down there because I've never seen her in the coffin. The strangers that were looking after her in the week or whatever, day or two, when she was ill, didn't know my mum. 
they didn't know her by name because they were all agency staff. Well, you know, they're your thoughts and they're your worries and they're exclusive yeah. to you. So don't feel bad. About it. It's sad that you feel that way. But, you know, I've first spoken with others who have as well, as in there was no sense of closure. There was a closed coffin, but that isn't a sense of closure. They just think mm. there was no proper goodbye after no, passing, no, you know? we don't even know what she was dressed in or, uh, no, nothing, I you know, know, it's, know. it's awful, but yeah, as I said, if we can just get the inquiry and try and get some answers and make sense, you know, there's no, there's gonna, never going to be sense made of it, but not just for us, but for all the other families that are suffering around the country with, our, with their ex- experiences in their nursing homes. You know. Okay, well, listen, it thanks, doesn't thanks need for, to happen again. Thanks for chatting. I hope it wasn't too difficult for you reliving it, but I do appreciate you coming on air, you and all of the family, and our thoughts are with you and the lovely Kathleen Thompson, RIP. Thanks. Okay. All right. Thanks, Neil. Thank Cheers. you. Cheers. Take care, Christine. All the best. Bye bye. Back after the break, text 0868 104 106. Thank you for making the Neil Prendeville Show the most listened to talk show in Cork again. Cork's Red FM. And you can get in touch by email as well to Neil at uh, redfm.ie. Sharon, good morning. How are you? I'm good. There, you know, over the last couple of years, a lot of confusion in different aspects. Amongst them, the confusions in nursing homes was mixing up residents, right? And that was the case with your dad, I think. That's right, that's right, yeah. My dad, yeah, he was in um, a nursing home. He died from COVID in November 20 during the second pandemic. And the second wave, yeah. Yeah, yeah he'd been in yeah, there exactly. close on a year at that stage. But had was he trying to come home? He just wanted to come home. He wanted to come home, yeah. He was crying all the time to come home. Um, now, we couldn't take him out because the nursing home was in lockdown since March yeah. when the first wave came. Um, was he long term there or was he just in for um, he was long term yeah 87 year old John yeah 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 yeah. yeah. were you with Um, him when he passed no no there was nobody with him when he passed no you mean nobody physically in the room at all no nobody in the room at all with him no when he passed no Um, he passed on the Saturday morning at quarter to seven we got a call at five past seven to know could we come to the nursing home and when we got to the nursing home um, it took him over three quarters of an hour to let me in. I got in and I got into the PP gear and I went into my dad's room and I discovered my dad had passed. Oh, you you hadn't been told in advance? No, no. Hadn't been told. Even when I was getting into the PP gear, they never told me in advance that my dad they, had they, passed. They, they did know? They did know, yeah. Because they had oxygen. He had oxygen. He was on oxygen. But they did know when you were getting into the PPE to go into your dad? Yeah. That he wasn't terminal yeah. or dying, he was dead. He was dead, yeah. And it, like we're talking him. about, we're talking about s- trained staff here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I actually asked them. I said, "What time?" My sister said, "My dad is dead," and they said, "Oh yes, he passed at six forty-seven." Can you even? I can't even believe the words you're saying. That yeah, that it would have been really easy and the right thing to do to prepare you for that to meet you at the door exactly. with that news. Exactly. Yeah, and when I went to the door. It was a fire exit I had to go to to get into the room, into my dad, and they couldn't find the key to leave me in. It was lashed in the same morning. But what was the experience like when you went in and realised that your dad had passed away? I was numb, Neil. I was just absolutely numb. Um, I screamed. I screamed when I saw my dad had passed. His mouth was opened and his eyes were opened. I closed his eyes, but they, one of them wouldn't close. Now, they had a towel under his chin, so that was obviously to keep his mouth closed, but it wouldn't close, it was opened. I 
what could I do? I had PPE gear on me. I had a face mask that was fogging up that I couldn't see properly. Oh my God, I'm and, in absolute yeah. shock. I'm in absolute yeah. shock. Yeah. And I did lift the, the mask because I had to wipe and I had to, and he wanted to hold his hand and I just hold his hand. And I sat on him then I stayed there for two and a half hours with him. Oh my God, almighty. I can't get over oh. that, that you went through all of that experience. Gearing yeah. up takes a, takes a considerable amount of time. And you went back out and you said, yeah. my dad has passed away. And they said, oh yeah, he died at such and such. Yeah, I know the nurse came into the room with me and she said to me, I said, my dad has died. It was my dad dead. And she said, oh yes. I know she that said, there's, I know. Passed. They said, what? Oh yes, what? Oh yes, your dad had passed at 6.47. You'd get more compassion in a veterinary surgery. You would, exactly you would. So my mum was outside the window. My mum, when my brother was outside the window, sorry, no. My brother was outside the window, and my brother, came, I had to open the window and just put back the curtains to Jesse. He's gone, and my mum was in the car park waiting. So they had to come up to the window then, and they said their goodbyes through the window. And my sister was there as well. And of course, you also then had to tell them that, yes. it was, that your dad had already passed away before you got into the room at all. Exactly, and then I couldn't tell them that story until I came out myself and got home because I stayed with my dad as long as I could. So, so ma'am said goodbye to her husband through the window. Through the window after 60 years of marriage. Didn't even say goodbye because he had already started on the next leg of his journey. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. And And what happened with this video call then? What was that about? And then on the Sunday, I was in my mum's house and my phone rang and it was the nursing home's number and I just picked up the phone and I said, hello. And they said, oh, hello, there's someone here to say hello to you. And I said, I'm sorry. Um, I said, my dad passed away yesterday. And they said, oh, I'm sorry about that. Sorry about that. Talk about chaos. Yeah. I mean, they knew exactly. They had. They were going to put you on a video call with somebody else's dad. With somebody else, yeah. Exactly. Sharon, how you how do you process this? Like, I mean, it must be it must be all consuming. It's so hard, Neil. Like, as I was as I was listening to Christine there, like we have the same questions. I mean, was that my dad? Like, what was he wearing? You know, my dad was such a proud man all his life with his shirt and tie. Because of the seal, the closed coffin. Yeah. 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 He was a dapper dude. Like he liked his he liked his clobber. Like, and he like he always turned himself out well. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Like, my dad, was he in the pyjamas then? Now, I did pull back the covers to see what he, what he had on him, and he had a pyjamas end on him. But, like, what else? Did he go like that? You know, we don't know. There's so many questions left there unanswered. We've requested a statement from the nursing home regarding uh, the nursing home that your father was in. So if I, if I get that back, we'll see what they have to say on the matter. I accept that we were in COVID at the time, but um, just simple things that could have been done so right in your case were done wrong, including, you know... Not somebody pulling you aside and sitting you down and saying, listen, Sharon, I have to exactly. tell you now, before you go in, sadly, your dad died peacefully, um, you know, and uh, our condolences to the family. Exactly. And then they opened the window, all right, for, we say, for his grandkids to say goodbye to him. And when they opened the window, they told the grandkids, now the grandkids are adults, that to stand back from the window because they could get COVID. Through a sealed window? Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. 
Sharon, I'm, I'm out of time for today, but I, I have a feeling I'll be returning to this topic tomorrow. If you want to pick up on anything, I don't have time to chat with you now. Feel free uh, okay. to let the lads know and we can chat some more tomorrow, okay? I will, of course, yeah. Okay. No, but, and we definitely need, need public inquiry into this, definitely. Right. Okay, thank you, Sharon. Take okay. care of yourself. Okay, Regards to you and all the family. And RIP to your dad, John. Very proud man. Our lines will stay open if you want to get in touch. We'll pick up on this and all of the conversations in the morning. But do get in touch if you have a story to share. You can text 0868104106, email neil at redfm.ie, or give us a ring on 0818104106. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Neil Prendeville, the voice of Cork. Weekdays 9 to 12. Cork's Red FM.